Tech Night Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. This week on the Tech Night Out Live, we'll be featuring industry analyst Stephen Baker from the NPD Group and also Mike Prospero, reviews editor for Laptop Magazine. Lots more coming on the Tech Night Out Live. We have Stephen Baker of the NPD Group. He's the vice president of industry analysis, so he's going to give us the benefit of his expertise about a variety of subjects. And let's look at the fall on, I guess we'll call this the tablet wars, because we now have so many you can't keep up with them. So we have, first of all, the iPad Mini. Now, were you surprised to see it after Steve Jobs made a disparaging remark a couple of years back saying that for a smaller tablet you'd need sandpaper on your fingers to make it work right? Uh, I think wasn't surprised to see it. I think Apple is a company that first and foremost wants to make sure that they cover all their bases, get products out there that more and more cover big parts of the marketplace. They saw a need for a smaller product, and they're really good at seeing needs and finding ways to address those. Of course, if we forget about what happened in terms of history with Apple, let's go back to the original iPod, which used a small hard drive. Steve Jobs disparaged the use of those with flash memory. He said you just stick them in a closet or in the drawer or something and never use them. And of course, then we had the iPod Mini, the iPod Nano, because flash memory became cheap enough that they could offer a sufficient capacity for enough of your music. They disparage the product category, then they come out with an answer to the product category, and we have the other lesson of history where Apple disparaged the need for a cheap Mac, and then, what, a few weeks later, came out with a Mac Mini. Apple is a smart company, clearly. We can all see that from their financials. As you said, you know, they look around, they see what the opportunity is, and sometimes products aren't priced right, components aren't right yet. When they do come right, you know, they're ready to jump on those and provide to their customers what they are very confident their customers are going to want. And again, you know, history has proven that they have a very, very good finger on the pulse of their customers. Well, in this particular case here, I guess the market showed them they had to come out with a cheaper tablet. I'm not sure that that's necessarily the case. They certainly didn't just decide, you know, three, six months ago to all of a sudden do an iPad mini. And the mini has been rumored for certainly even before the the first aggressively priced 7-inch Kindle came out. They've been talking about this for a while. They recognized that there was a space in the, the product portfolio that this kind of a product might fit in. You know, they spent their time to find the right product and the right size with the right feature set that would, would satisfy that niche. And Apple's excuse through all this is that This particular product, the iPad Mini, offers about a third more screen real estate than the 7-inch models, so maybe it's not quite in the same category. There's something to that, but I think, you know, when I look at that product category, I think what you really want to look at is how mobile is the product, and by mobile, I mean, can you really walk around with it and do something with it? A full iPad is a pretty big product. It takes two hands. An iPad Mini, while 
you may need a bigger hand than some of us have, is still essentially a one-handed product, and that fits much more in the dynamic of a Galaxy 7 or a Nexus 7 or the lower-end Kindle Fire HD. In the scheme of things, are those products actually doing pretty well? I think they are. You know, compared to the opportunities that they have, um, certainly they've been pretty aggressive on price, and you know, being aggressive on price helps a lot. Compared to the full iPad, probably not, but I think compared to their expectations, they seem to be doing pretty well. Now, there have been suggestions here that the iPad Mini may become the mainstream iPad over time because it's just so much more convenient to use than the 9.7-inch version. You know, I've seen some of that, and I think that the jury is still out on that. You know, certainly we're seeing smartphones get bigger, like the Galaxy Notes. I wonder, though, you know, at 7 to 8 inches, you still have a screen real estate that probably isn't big enough to give you the perfect web experience or really, really great experience with some video content. I think the iPad size in the 9 to 10-inch range gives you a much better experience across the board and is much more competitive with notebooks. If everyone went away from 9 or 10-inch tablets and moved towards 7 to 8-inch tablets, then we would see a big return back to the computer notebook market in that 13, 14-inch size because you'd need those kind of products to uh, replace that. Well, is the iPad at 9.7 inches and the 10-inch tablets from other companies, and we'll get into the Microsoft Surface in a moment, are they basically intended to be a variation of a notebook computer? I believe they are. I think that we've seen their biggest impact on the notebook marketplace, the usage model of what people use a iPad for or another 10-inch tablet is very similar to the usage pattern that people would use for a computer or a notebook. Yeah, we think that there's a pretty big crossover there, and there's not so much of a crossover between a 10-inch tablet and a 5-inch phone, for example. All right, let's take a look at the Microsoft Surface. Are you guys getting any feeling yet as to how the initial sales are? We're not, but I think anecdotally, like some other people have written about, I've been in the Microsoft Store, and there's lots of surfaces in there. In the time I was in there, every single one of them had people playing with it and really looking at it. Lots of Microsoft employees showing them what was going on, a store that was very full and very excited and bustling. So I think the Surface is doing for Microsoft exactly what they wanted it to. Wrote a little bit about that on our blog. You know, what we see is the Surface is a hero or a flagship kind of product for Microsoft. It's going to help drive people into the stores and really legitimize the Microsoft store chain in much the way that the iPod was really the catalyst to start to drive a lot of traffic into the Apple stores. While I know there's some obvious complaints sometimes about some of the software choices or the number of apps that are available, most of those will be fixed in relatively short order. From a hardware perspective, there's very little to quibble about with the Surface. Okay, of course we have to realize that Microsoft has, what, 12 to 18 stores, something like that. Apple has, what, 375 or thereabouts? Um, Microsoft has about 30 
full stores in malls, and then they have what they call pop-up stores, so 30 kind of temporary holiday location stores that are going to be around the country this holiday. So they have something slightly in the north of 60 locations for you to go to purchase products directly from them. Primarily in the U.S.? Almost all, a couple in Canada. Okay, then, of course, we have the sales online. But you notice here that when Apple announced sales, they announced 3 million sales for the iPad and the iPad mini. They didn't separate them. But the first weekend we had the Microsoft Surface, Microsoft didn't announce how many they sold. You know, Microsoft has been trying to be a little bit quieter about what they do. I wouldn't read anything into any of those. The lack of numbers that are out there, I think, you know, those numbers will come more. They will be more like Amazon and not tell anybody what they've sold. And I don't think we should think of, just because they're not willing to give out very proprietary information, I don't think that necessarily means that they're not selling anything. I think that a lot of people make that assumption around that or around the Kindle, and I don't think those are accurate assumptions to make. Well, certainly Apple sees a space there to make a dent, otherwise they wouldn't have come out with an iPad. You know, Apple, Apple likes big numbers, and, you know, <laughs> and in, the all the their, in all their publicity, you know, at every event, they really like to tout, you know, X number of people did X, Y, and Z. Got a break right now. Got a break right now. We have Stephen Baker of the NPD Group joining Gene Steinberg on the Tech Night Out Live. You know, neighbors, meetings are essential to the way we work. It's an opportunity to share ideas, problem solve, develop creative solutions. But if your team is spread out in different locations, coming together can be an impossible task. Unless you use GoToMeeting with HD Faces, the powerfully simple way to meet and collaborate online. Learn how GoToMeeting helps you meet with your colleagues just as it helps me. You know, of course, we use GoToMeeting here on the show because it's necessary for me to communicate with the people I work with. And no matter where you're going, GoToMeeting allows you to share the same screen to make it easier to be on the same page. And now you can present from your iPad. Try GoToMeeting free for 30 days. For this special offer, visit GoToMeeting.com, click the Try It Free button, and use the promo code PODCAST. Remember, use the promo code PODCAST at GoToMeeting.com. Remember, neighbors, seeing is believing. Hi, this is Peter Kronschnabel from Midas Resources. As you know, federal government spending is at an all-time high, and inflation will be a direct result of the spending policy. European government and central bank spending policies have put the European Union on the brink of collapse. What are you doing right now to protect yourself financially? Are your assets working for you or against you? One thing is certain. Having physical possession of gold and silver will guarantee that no matter what happens to our economy or the dollar, your investment will never be worthless. It will protect you from that hidden tax, inflation. If you've been thinking about investing in physical possession of precious metals or having an IRA in precious metals, I can help. Call me today, Peter Kronschnabel, at 800-686-2237, extension 108. And I'll take the time to personally put together a portfolio designed to protect what you've worked so hard for. Call 800-686-2237, extension 108. You've worked hard your whole life, and I want to work hard for you. Call Peter at 800-686-2237, extension 108. 
big business has discovered the preparedness market, and that makes it difficult to know where to go and who to trust. MyPatriotSupply.com is owned and operated by patriots just like you, has the best prices on storable food, non-GMO seeds, water filtration devices, home canning equipment, survival and self-reliance books, and more. MyPatriotSupply.com has old-fashioned values and the absolute best customer service in the industry. Look for the deal of the day, unique affordable survival supplies that fit anyone's budget. Get same-day shipping on all orders and free shipping on orders over $49. Call 866-229-0927, 866-229-0927, or visit MyPatriotSupply.com for emergency preparedness, self-reliance, and food independence. Shop with a name you know and a name you can trust. Before it's time to survive, it's time to prepare. MyPatriotSupply.com Here it comes, another cold and flu season. Get ready for it and save now during the pre-winter sale at HerbalHealer.com. Don't be without powerful natural flu fighters like elderberry power capsules. They support the immune system and they have antiviral properties. Another powerful antiviral is olive leaf capsules, highly recommended by Herbal Healer Academy. Also on sale is Physician Strength Oregacillin, a savior for the lungs. It fights bacteria, virus, and fungus. Our famous Four herb capsules are a gentle liver cleanser and can be taken daily. Also featured this winter are the homeopathic detoxes, liver, kidney, lung, lymph, whole body, and brain detox on sale. And remember, as always, new customers get a free 128-page catalog with your order. Log on and hit the pre-winter specials at HerbalHealer.com. Healing the world with nature, one person at a time, since 1988. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. We have Stephen Baker of the NPD Group. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. And we are now busy exploring tablets and how they're doing. And the fact, of course, that Apple is happy to tout what they regard as big sales for their products, while Amazon doesn't do it, Microsoft hasn't done it yet. But you think, you know, I'm kind of skeptical here. You think, considering what the competition is, if the Surface was doing reasonably well, Microsoft would be boasting to the skies. Look what we did with, you know, one-fifth as many stores, with less publicity, all this other stuff. Well, uh, I guess, you know, we can agree to disagree there. I don't think that the lack of someone announcing as very proprietary information means anything in that kind of context. Is it something, though, that a company like yours can figure out over time checking with uh, we get some information yes we do there are things that we can we can calculate from our retail partners or from our consumer panels so you know at some point in time we, we usually have a pretty good idea what the sales and or the sell-through is a little more challenging on a product like the surface with the limited distribution it has but we think we've been pretty good about figuring out what the uh, kindle looks like and certainly there's a lot of other companies like our uh, sister company 
display search that does a lot of work in the display uh, supply chain, and you know it's pretty hard to hide you know specific sizes of displays that are getting made, and can certainly see some of those as they work their way through the supply chain. Okay, when it comes to one of Microsoft's OEM partners, if the Surface is doing real well, does it frighten them because now Microsoft is their worst competitor? Does it really spur them to bring out something better if they can? Let's hope it spurs them to bring out some great products. I don't think it's Microsoft's intention to put all their hardware partners out of business. I think it was Microsoft's intention to build a product that shows the very best of what Windows 8 slash Windows RT can offer to the consumer, something that they can own and put it in an experience center, their stores, that they can own the experience and the way the consumer gets to interface with that product. I think there's been a lot of digital ink wasted on the amount of complaining and crying that maybe some of the PCOEMs have done in public, but I think in private, to me, what I hear is that, and what I believe is that anything that helps build the Windows ecosystem and makes it more popular and makes it more competitive against Apple or Google or anything else is a benefit for both Microsoft and all their partners. I guess time will tell exactly what's going to happen with the Surface and how well it does. I also wonder here, I think one of the fears is it's going to be like the Zune all over again, you know, where the Zune came out and it seemed to basically kind of gut the potential for third-party music player sales. Um, You know, there was plenty of other products out there when the Zune came out, and you know, our argument would be that the Zune actually did pretty well compared to the potential market it had. I don't think the Zune, and I hope Microsoft never really expected that the Zune was going to take over the MP3 player market or that it was going to kill the iPod. And iPod's been 70% of that market for pretty close to seven, ten years now. Um, when the Zune came out, uh, you know, at its height, it was probably half of the non-iPod market. And, you know, we think if you look at it objectively, that it did pretty well in that kind of context. But there was still plenty of opportunity for other companies that wanted to produce a different kind of MP3 player, a lot less expensive, for example. There was still plenty of room in the marketplace to provide a different experience, both for the customers and different products for the retailers. Now, the question is here, now that Apple has both ends covered, the low end, more or less, more expensive than some of these other models, and the mid-price tablet range, do you think that their market share, which apparently dipped somewhat in the last quarter, is going to get back up there again? I think it will, but again, I you know, just like we just talked about the Zoom, I think you really need to take all the market share numbers with a grain of salt. You know, I don't think anybody would argue that any of the non- iPad tablets are exactly providing a lot of profits or a lot of benefits to their owners. You know, you can you can add Kindle to the Android business, but I really don't think Google benefits a heck of a lot from the Android OS that's on the, the Kindle. And, you know, if there's a few million of those sold in China, uh, you know, Google clearly doesn't have a big benefit from all those products in China either. So, 
again, I think one of the benefits of looking at these things is sometimes you need to parse down beyond just here's the great big number and start to think about where are things really competitive, where do products really um, go up against different kinds of different kinds of business models, different geographies, uh, et cetera. So just kind of looking at a worldwide basis sometimes I think gives you a lot of false positives. Looking at the overall PC market, with the impact of tablets, not just the iPad, iPad mini, but the Surface and the Android tablets and the Amazon, they're pulling a fair amount of sales off what would have been a PC maybe a few years ago? I think increasingly we're seeing that. You know, we probably went the first year and a half, maybe even through last holiday into the beginning of this year, where we did not see very much cannibalization of the PC market by tablets. Um, And even today, a big portion of the tablet market is really an incremental device in people's homes, especially in the developed countries like the U.S. or Europe. We see... Though, over time, we are seeing when people have to go back into the market and think about whether they want to buy a new computer, they either decide that they don't need a new computer and do buy a tablet, or they continue to postpone that computer purchase because they have a tablet that, as we said earlier, does a huge range of the same kind of tasks that they have traditionally done on their PC. We also have to look at the way the market's approached. So Apple... Google and even Amazon regard the tablet as a separate product that may have PC-like functions but still separate, whereas to Microsoft, it's all the same. Whether it's a Surface or whether it's a standard desktop computer, it's just another Windows computer. Right, and I think, you know, those are both legitimate ways to look at it. You know, I think Microsoft's done a great job on the Surface with their, their keyboards, but certainly, you know, why wouldn't you look at it like that if you're Microsoft? Why wouldn't you go from your strength, which happens to be the traditional computing world, and say, as I move into tablets, I want to position tablets as being, you know, a different type of computing experience. And if you were Apple or Google, why would you not position your tablets as being, while maybe competitive with notebooks, but um, using the same operating system and maybe some of the same paradigms that you might get from a smartphone. So I think, you know, they're all very smart because they're going with their strengths and delivering products that reflect what the strength of their platform or, or ecosystem is. That, of course, raises the issue of Windows 8 and how it's doing so far. It's very early in the game, as we know. We have Stephen Baker of the NPD Group. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. <laughs> America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com radio. DreamHost.com radio. Web 
whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. If you're considering a water filter, have you heard about Aquapail? Aquapail from FreezeDryGuy.com has huge advantages over many other water filters. American-made Aquapail units are designed and engineered to not just filter contaminated water, but capture or kill all bacteria and viruses to non-detectable levels. Aquapail has the fastest flow rate of any other water filter on the market, filtering a gallon of contaminated water in about five minutes. That's water when you need it. Now, get the world's fastest, safest, and most reliable gravity-fed portable water treatment system for surface, well, and wastewater sources. Aquapail. Available in four sizes starting at only $100. In all orders to the lower 48, ship free. Call 866-404-3663 or go to freezedryguy.com. That's 866-404-3663 or freezedryguy.com. 100% veteran-owned. The Freeze Dry Guy. That's the sound of your door being kicked in by an intruder with a single kick. That's the sound of the same door now protected by the Door Sentinel at MySafeDoor.com. Go to MySafeDoor.com right now and watch the amazing video. At MySafeDoor.com, you'll learn how to turn your home into a fortress with the Door Sentinel. 16 kicks later, and the Door Sentinel is still holding strong. MySafeDoor.com. That's MySafeDoor.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Did you know that gold and silver contain healing properties? It's true. Since the beginning of mankind's history, gold and silver have not only been used as real money, but also for healing our minds and bodies. Utopiasilver.com is your leading source for colloidal silver and colloidal gold, offering supplement protocols that can heal and enhance your health. Protocols for boosting the immune system, insomnia, yeast infections, herpes, and countering the effects of vaccinations and radiation poisoning. And now Utopia. Utopiasilver.com encourages the use of real money with this buy one, get one free real money special. For details on your colloidal silver and colloidal gold supplements, call 888-213-4338 and ask about 50% off for first-time customers. That's 888-213-4338 or visit utopiasilver.com, utopiasilver.com, fighting for liberty and healing one American at a time. Live with Gene Steinberg, it's the Tech Night Owl, because you never know what's going to happen next. With Stephen Baker of the NPD Group, I'm Gene Steinberg, you're in the Tech Night Owl Live, exploring the world of tablets and now the world of PCs a bit more 
So Windows 8 came out on the 26th of October. Do you see a decent uptake so far, or is it too early in the game? Um, you know, we're, we're not releasing any numbers. We've seen some, and I think um, if you go into the stores, for the most part, uh, the Windows 7 products have mostly been cleaned out. You know, there's been a lot of other things going on the last couple of weeks that probably took a little bit of the luster off the Windows 8 launch, whether it was hurricanes and disasters in the Northeast. And, and elections, of course. And elections. Um, so I think we'll start to see a lot of these things really start to accelerate uh, as we get into this weekend and over the next couple of weeks as we head into Thanksgiving and then through the Christmas holiday. There's not a lot of anecdotal evidence or discussion yet. You know, one of the big concerns I think everyone had around Windows 8 was that consumers would be very... Um, off-put by the new uh, interfaces, and we really haven't heard a lot yet about, anecdotally or otherwise, that there's a lot of consumers going into the stores and saying, you know, hey, what is this? Where's my, where's my Windows? Where's my start menu? Yeah. Hey, you know, there was a survey, I think it was published by USA Today, but I don't think they did it, showing a surprisingly small amount of interest in Windows 8. And that, what, over half the people surveyed didn't even know what it was? That doesn't surprise me. Um, you know, you live in a bubble. I live in a bubble. Uh, we may have known about Windows 8 for a long time. But I think you need to remember that computers and many of these other products are tools, consumers' tools. They're refrigerators and you know, microwaves for most consumers now. They're necessities of life. They don't spend a lot of time obsessing about the next operating system or whatever's new and, and, you know, totally, you know, out there. So the idea that people hadn't really thought too much about what Windows 8 was going to be, you know, really shouldn't surprise anybody. You know, you can't measure what happens with other products against, you know, the hype machine that, that Apple has built. You know, they're in a bubble that no one has any kind of impact uh, against. So, you know, I think you're comparing apples and oranges there. Well, we all live in kind of a bubble exploring this tech universe, and most people really don't care. They have their own concerns that, of course, are more important to them. But let's look at different scenarios. Obviously, if Microsoft does well, it means they make good profits. People who work at Microsoft make their salaries. They don't get laid off. It's always good. You don't want to see people laid off because a company is not executing well. If Windows 8 and in connection with that, the Surface tablet, they don't do quite what Microsoft expects. Does Microsoft try to go back to the older interface? Is there a second act they could go to? Oh, absolutely not. Absolutely not. That's not coming. That's not even not even an option. I mean, let's be realistic here, right? Uh, um, Microsoft, one of the reasons Microsoft has reinvented the their UI and the way their operating system works is because the way people use computing devices has changed over the last three years since Windows 7 came out. We've seen the introduction of the iPad. We've seen a huge increase in smartphones. We've seen this growth in people being more comfortable with touch and touch keyboards and touch screens. If Microsoft had come out with a warmed-over Windows 7 that just kind of incrementally improved it but didn't address the changing way people use computing devices, they would have been skewered 
uh, across the board. They're getting skewered for coming out with something different, but you know, Microsoft's a pretty forward-looking company, I think, at this point, in terms of being willing to invest in this for the long haul and saying this is where we have to go because, frankly, this is where the industry is going. Their problem and challenges that they've been so successful over the years that, you know, there's many hundreds of millions of people with traditional Windows 7 or earlier computers, and you're going to have to convert them and help them figure out how to use this new interface in ways that they traditionally hadn't used their computers before. And that's a big challenge for them. That's the primary, I think, cause for everybody's worry and concern about Windows 8. But I don't believe there's anybody who seriously thinks that Microsoft needs to go back to Windows 7. Well, what they could do, of course, with Windows 9 is look at things that work, look at things that didn't work so well, and then change them to make them work better, maybe improve the touch interface, improve the integration, find better ways to move people away from the desktop, that kind of thing. Sure, and that's what they will do. I mean, that's part of the iterative process of building the operating system, but no one's saying go away from touch, go away from tiles, go away from a more tablet, you know, phone-like interface on a computing device as well. No one's saying that, and it's certainly not going to happen. Okay. Now, as far as Apple is concerned, of course, we have that corporate shakeup. Scott foresaw on his way out and that kind of thing, and you get all these rumors or background information about the problems that Scott Forstall had with getting along well with others, things like that. And that's the kind of stuff that we really don't know that. Do we Do we really know, after reading all these informed sources, all these published reports about how he behaved, can we just ignore that? Or is that something significant, something to be concerned about, and good reason for his departure? Uh, you know, everybody has an agenda. Everybody likes to leak stuff. Um, you know, we've just been through the presidential piece where certainly every single day, as we got closer and closer to the election, you know, one side or the other would kind of send out some data or sub sneakily send out information that looked better for their side versus the other side that highlighted the the momentum that they had versus what other somebody else had. Everybody has an agenda. Clearly, if, you know, Apple has decided that Scott's not the right person for that job. Certainly, you often see people off the record or on background talk to reporters or bloggers or analysts about why that person wasn't there anymore. And, you know, you don't get to hear, and people just don't address the that in public. Well, I have to also wonder how Scott Forstall feels. He's being painted as a pretty nasty kind of character who plays corporate politics quite heavily. He's being basically blasted in the media. And you have to wonder, this guy's got to be sitting there and saying, can't I express my point of view? No, he can't. At this particular point, he might even have contractual issues there, and they've got him there basically as an advisor. So he's receiving paychecks from Apple till next year, and maybe he even has the various non-disclosure agreements that even after he leaves, it's going to be years before he can tell his side of the story. It's got to be frustrating. Yeah, I, I would think it might be. Um, again, there's, as I said, there's lots of ways to get your story out that may or may not be, you know, as public as that. And, you know, I think 
as a pretty senior person at Apple, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's not worried about his finances going forward or his his paycheck. So, you know, that part certainly isn't a um, isn't a red flag one way or the other for him. Well, of course, he cashed in a lot of stock just very recently. So this guy's worth right now, what, $40, $50 million. When he leaves Apple, of course, he'll be worth somewhat more. So with all that, this guy could just sit back and enjoy his life and not worry about corporate politics or pressures or anything else. Uh, if that's what he wants to do, I'd certainly, you know, he's earned that money and that opportunity given, you know, all the things that he's done for Apple over the however long he was there, 10 or 15 years. Now, looking at the corporate makeover, and this is something which will continue with the next segment with Stephen Baker of the NPD Group. Let's just start for a couple of seconds here to consider, all right, now we have a different levels of authority. We have Jonathan I, for example, asserting more control over the look and feel of Mac products, not just the hardware, but the software. What changes might we expect? This is Gene Steinberg on the Tech Night Out Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com would it save you time to get the best quality water filters and the best quality storable foods from one company? You bet it would, and now you can at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. Big Berkey water filter products and great-tasting, long-lasting, storable, wise foods are both now available on one website, BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. Wise foods, ready-to-eat meals are packed in airtight nitrogen pouches and come with a 25-year shelf life. Big Berkey water filters are powerful enough to purify treated, untreated, or even stagnant pond water. Combine Berkey water filters with Wise Foods for an unbeatable preparedness combination. Get free shipping on every order over $50. And GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit Big B-E-R-K-E-Y waterfilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-B-E-R-K-E-Y or go to BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. What's safer and cheaper than prescription drugs? Glad you asked. The answer is Renovation Teas. Herbal remedies are much safer and much cheaper than prescription drugs. Taste great, and most importantly, herbal teas are effective and non-addictive. Renovation Tea is especially unique, and here's why. We spent years researching herbs and their beneficial properties. 
Renovation Teas uses only 100% organic, fair trade herbs. Our teas are blended towards specific ailments and health conditions, such as diabetes, blood pressure, anxiety, libido, detox, and much more. All Renovation Teas are formulated and hand-filled in Arkansas. Take care of yourself naturally, the way Mother Nature intended. Order Renovation Teas at RenovationTea.com or call 870-784-3121. That's 870-784-3121. Renovation Teas. Renovate your health one bag at a time. Healthy soils grow healthy plants. So before you plant your survival garden this year, is your soil healthy? Maximize your crisis garden soil with EM1 from Terraganics. EM1 organic soil conditioner, fertilizer amendment, and compost accelerant provides healthier gardens and faster, efficient garden composting. EM1 from Terraganics.com quickly improves soil structure by increasing nutrient availability and converting organic matter into soil humus. This improves seed germination and root growth, improves plant quality, size, color, flavor, nutrient value of fruits and vegetables and improves shelf life. And when rain is not in the forecast, no worries. EM1 improves moisture retention in soils, helping reduce drought stress. Just like you prepare all else, prepare your crisis garden for maximum yields with EM1 from Terraganics.com. Order now at T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Terraganics, life's getting better. know what's going to happen next well here's the tech night owl live with gene steinberg we have stephen baker of the npd group vice president of industry analysis and maybe we're pushing him beyond his purview here but Listen, it's ripe for speculation. We're having a good time, and we never hold him to anything, which is why he comes back on the show. We don't hold him to anything. We just want to express his point of view as he can. So, okay, the new Apple with the new corporate layout, do you see much change, or is it just, again, a game of inside baseball? The names will change, but a lot of what you see will be the same. They've been pretty successful up to this point. I would be surprised if they want to go and do all sorts of wholesale changes. I think when you look at what they're thinking about and what maybe their opportunities are going forward, um, they want to put the right people in place to be able to make decisions that let the company continue to grow over time and give them opportunities in new businesses or ways to be more efficient. So can they, you know, be more aggressive on the processor side and build out their processor business or semiconductor business better? You know, that's clearly something that they're focused on. You know, how do they attack whatever the next big business that they want to attack is, whether it's TVs and video content or something else. So I think what they're trying to do and what any good company would want to do is put people in place who can look not just at, you know, how I'm running things today, but what are the things we have to do to continue to make this organization successful in the future. Being the head of this new technologies group, Bob Mansfield, is he going to lead a group that's going to change the processors on Macs to be the same kind of processors they use on the mobile platforms? Certainly not in the short term, but, you know, I think if you look in the long term, there's clearly opportunities for Apple to kind of rethink 
what happens on on the Mac, MacBook and iMac kind of lines. Um, but as has been pointed out a few times in most of the articles I've seen, one, you know, ARM does not have the computing power yet that a Intel product has, and certainly Apple has more than its fair share of power users who need as much power and features as they can get to do things like you know video editing or photo editing and uh, the other big piece is that you know arm has just started to develop uh, technology around 64-bit. Apple would certainly need that 64-bit technology to address some of those power users. So, you know, we're still looking at a few years before there might be any kind of shifting going on there. Now, I understand something like 64-bit means, for example, you have an iMac that you can have 32 gigabytes of memory. You have a Mac Pro with 64 gigabytes. You need, of course, 64-bit. And then, of course, Intel has all these processor tricks like hyper-threading where by various forms of ledger domain or whatever, a four-core processor acts like an eight-core processor. You've got turbo boost, which makes one core run faster when needed. You have all these tricks to make the processor run faster, crunch more numbers. So if Apple wants to go to ARM, they're going to have to find ways using their own in-house expertise or whatever to match that performance level. They have to at least match it. I mean, I don't think a person is going to want to buy a brand new Mac with a new processor at slower than the previous year's model. Probably not. Um, I think there, there's clearly, you know, an awful lot of infrastructure you have to have. There's also the manufacturing capabilities. And for all the things people may say about, you know, Intel's technology, um, they pretty much have a tremendous uh, business acumen in building fabs and building semiconductors and processors that are very fast and that they can build more efficiently and more effectively than anyone else can to date. And they're the first ones in the new processes that drive their costs down. You know, as this mobile world has come up and, you know, they have continued to refine what they do and looked at building products that, you know, maybe reflect more concern about bad battery life than power, et cetera. They recognize those things. No one has been, it's pretty tough to compete with Intel. They have an awful lot of strengths. Ask AMD, look at AMD. And as a matter of fact, if we look at everything here, what Texas Instruments giving up their ARM-based processor line, the industry and the competitors have shrunk. So with AMD, with Intel, with the various ARM licensees, that's it pretty much for processors, isn't it? Yeah, the ARM, there's an awful lot of ARM guys still, sure. certainly. You know, right. Qualcomm and NVIDIA are too, and Apple and Samsung as well do their own processors. But the thing is here, will that collective expertise and the fact that they sell so many to give them the profits in the R&D, can they catch up and beat Intel when it comes to raw processor power? And as you say, it may take a few years to resolve that. And then there are other questions, too, because anyone who recalls Apple's transitions to new processors, the PowerPC in the 1990s, the go to Intel, they have to come up with an emulator to run older software. Software developers have to recode their apps. And then the big thing about Intel is the fact that you could run Windows apps on a Mac with great performance. If Apple moves to ARM, what happens to that? Yeah, uh, there's there's lots of questions out there about how they would manage that transition. I think um, 
The only thing you would say there, though, is that they were pretty successful at managing the other ones, and Apple's been traditionally pretty successful at managing whether it's processor or operating system transitions. They're very willing to let old technologies and old processes go away and kind of cut those off, whereas, uh, you know, Intel or the x86 and Windows have traditionally tried to keep all those legacy applications, legacy hardware, et cetera, running for a lot longer. So Apple's got some advantages there going forward if that's something that they want to do. But also, can that be a wake-up call, these rumors to Intel to execute better? You want to keep Um, Apple as a customer, you better keep making them happy. I don't think Intel needs a wake-up call. I think Intel knows what's important. Well, the mobile platforms, especially PC sales going down and all the ARM licensees selling more and more chips, obviously Intel sees that something's going on. Yes, and they're trying to address those, and they have been over time. And, you know, if you talk to them, they say they're pretty close to being, you know, where they need to be on those kind of products. And, again, hard to disagree with them considering their infrastructure and the expertise, both technically and manufacturing, that are there. What about AMD? I mean, obviously, the ATI graphics cards are great. They are viable competitors to NVIDIA cards. Apple uses both. You can buy one or the other, depending on the generation, getting better performance on your PC. But in terms of processors, except at the low end, AMD seems to be the also-ran. Is there hope for them on the long haul? You know, I think there's typically room for competitors and You know, AMD has always been able to find the niches out there that they can fulfill that Intel either doesn't want or, you know, can't address. They've traditionally been able to do that and stay in business by doing that, those kind of activities. So, obviously, every day is different. So, we'll see what happens. Is there any room anymore in this industry, though, for processors for some company to come out out of the blue? with a new idea and do it better, or does it require such a large amount of R&D that no startup could ever hope to get anywhere, unless Apple buys them? Can you say that again? I'm sorry. Okay, so... I, I missed that. Okay, so being we have AMD, we have the ARM licensees, we have Intel, is there any room at all in that industry, in the industry making processors, for some new contender to arise with a better idea? Or does it require so much R&D that no startup can do it? Yeah, I think that's a pretty tough um, tough call for anybody to try to get into that. Um, again, you know, no, I don't think anybody really wants to compete with Intel. ARM has had a great platform for a long time. They don't have to build things. They just invest in the technology and the R&D and let their partners do some of that heavy lifting. And I'm not sure that there's demand out there. And, in fact, if you look at, you know, to some extent where the market's going, it's more about proprietary things. Certainly, if you look at what Apple and Samsung are doing with a lot of their mobile platforms where, you know, they're using processors that are developed in-house. So, you know, I think you're going to start, you, you, that, that is a trend that will, will continue, but that doesn't ask for some kind of a whole new technology. I think that's a, a pretty tough case to make. Unless we change the industry and we have quantum computers or something, but then, again, Intel might do it. I think one of the questions we're going to ask in our next segment here is whether 
Apple and Samsung, with all their expertise and the fact that they still work together and sue each other, can they kiss and make up? That's going to be the biggest question of all, and we want to get briefly into some of the other tech trends. With Stephen Baker of the NPD Group, I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Wants to be disease-free, full of energy, and vibrant health. Two reasons you may feel constantly tired and run down could be that your body's acid level is high and your pH level is low. How does acid enter your body? A cup of coffee, a sandwich, tap water, stress, and cell phones. Plus, your own body produces acid on a regular basis. AlkaVision Plasma pH drops alkalize the water you drink and raise your pH level. They promote more oxygen in your system, higher energy potential, and many other documented health benefits. And studies show viruses bacteria and toxins cannot survive in an alkaline high pH environment. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops is the least expensive and the best pH level product you can buy. Order AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops for just $29.95 at AlkaVision.com spelled A-L-K-A Vision.com or call 800-518-7615 that's 800-518-7615 Alkalize your body, supercharge your health with pH Drops from AlkaVision.com Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We have Stephen Baker of the NPD Group. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. So we have the strange dichotomy here where Samsung is getting billions of dollars of orders. Supposedly, Apple has widened their portfolio of suppliers, but they're still dealing with Samsung for displays and other parts. Meantime, Apple and Samsung keep suing each other. So how do they kiss and make up? Because that's got to be a waste of time unless you're the legal firm who represents one of them. They don't necessarily have to kiss and make up. They could also continue to go in their separate ways. There's a a lot of people in the supply chain who would like Apple's uh, business. I don't think that their business is so large that the rest of the supply chain couldn't absorb it if Samsung decided or Apple decided that they didn't want to do business together. Certainly Samsung more and more is addressing 
those kind of products by, you know, keeping that stuff in house and being able to leverage the huge amount of volume in terms of end user hardware sales that they generate to be able to give them great costs and be able to let them build and, um, you know, create things and have uh, improve their profit margins in many of the same ways that Apple is doing. So I don't know that necessarily they have to kiss and make up. I'm not sure they necessarily have to separate, but I think over time you'll see both sides, you know, kind of decide how much they really want to work with each other. Um, there may be places and products where they do work together where maybe the technology isn't as as important, you know, something like flash memory, for example, which is an, you know, a little bit more of a commodity versus, you know, the ability to build uh, screens, which maybe is, you know, is a little bit more limited and a little bit harder to do in um, in the way that Apple wants. So if Samsung can, can do some of that, they may want to work with Samsung there. Well, of course, so, Apple works with Microsoft, even though they compete with each other very intensely. There are sure. no more patent issues. They settled that a long time ago. The world is not just about competition, but it can also be about cooperation. And while we see, you know, there used to be a word that people used to use called co-optition, where you'd see cooperation sometimes between companies and competition sometimes between the same companies. And while that hasn't gone away, we do start to see, we have started to see companies kind of migrate into their own shells and try to find ways to do as much as they can um, internally to try to keep the technology and product development in-house so that it doesn't leak out and that other firms can't take advantage of their intellectual property. Let's move on to something else here. You mentioned displays before. I had read a report very recently, and I hadn't followed through on it, about Panasonic giving up their TV set line. Is that correct? They have not announced that as of now, no. Okay. Um, but all the Japanese diff- companies are struggling right now with their TV business, and Panasonic is, you know, one of those. Now, companies like Vizio have done incredible in the market, haven't they? They have. Vizio has a very focused strategy, very low overhead, and they work with very low overhead retailers. Um, they outsource a lot, and, you know, they've, they've been very successful. And what's interesting here, too, if you look at the reviews of Vizio products, sometimes they're almost the best, sometimes maybe they're a third down in the ratings, but they're always better than average. They give you more than what you pay for. So you can buy just about any product from Vizio and know you're getting a decent value. Well, that's the essence of, you know, what they try to do, certainly in the TV market. And, you know, there's a reason why their, you know, main distribution partners are Walmart, Sam's Club, and Costco. That's the kind of mission of those companies as well. And, of course, with Vizio, I guess they got the philosophy here that if you can sell 10 million units and make $20 profit, it's better than selling 5 million units and making $40 profit. Yeah, I mean, you know, they certainly are looking for volume, uh, for sure. I mean, again, that's why they've chosen the companies they've chosen and tried to, um, you know, leverage the costs that are um, the cost savings that are inherent in having a smaller product line, having less distribution partners, and having at least, you know, on two of those distribution partners, Costco and Sam's, companies that focus on a very limited skew selection and very, very high, fast turnover of those products. 
And the one thing I noticed looking at the Vizio product line is not like Apple so much, but in the same spirit, you look at the product line, you don't have 14 different TVs with very slightly graduated differences. You have, you know, two, three product lines, that's it. So if you want to look at their TVs, there's a few to pick out. You pick out one or two for each screen size. You pick the features you want, there you go. If you look at Panasonic, you look at Samsung, you look at LG, any of these other companies, you could go crazy trying to figure out what separates the $1,200 model from the $1,500 model. Right. Again, there's, there's, that's part of their strategy, which is to, to keep it simple, keep the overhead simple, keep the product line simple, keep the distribution simple, and try to provide you know, the best product that they can to the customer at the best price that you know, reflects the value that they put in the product. Overall, with this market where Japanese companies are having problems making decent profits, is there any real, real winner in terms of flat panel TVs anymore? Is it Vizio on the low end, maybe a Samsung or an LG? I think those three companies have done very well in the television market and continue to do very well. Samsung, you know, has some some great products, very wide distribution, a great brand that extends across almost the entire consumer electronic spectrum from phones and appliances to, you know, sound products, cameras, PCs, tablets, and TVs. And they are very aggressive about using that. And as we talked about earlier, they've got strength in the supply chain. And they leverage all those things to create uh, great products, premium prices or almost premium prices. Um, that are combined with great design and a good brand. Uh, LG is aggressive on price and, you know, has been relatively successful in the U.S. And, you know, we kind of just talked about Vizio. Vizio's got a great uh, business model, that, and they've been able to keep themselves very focused for the most part over the last few years to keep themselves successful. The challenge for all those guys is that, at least in the U.S., you know, the, the flat panel market is slowing. And, um, you know, how do you continue to grow your business or take profits in that business as the market starts to really mature? Well, the big thing here, of course, you buy a flat panel TV set here. And any of the recent models, unless you burn them 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you'll get five, ten years out of them. So there's no real incentive to upgrade unless you're offering all sorts of great new features, and now they're trying to do connected. So you have to have all these apps and all these things. They're trying to be like, I guess, integrate what you get with a Roku or an Apple TV. Right. Um, We could have a whole half-an-hour discussion about all the features and benefits and opportunities in the TV market, uh, certainly around Connected and some of the other features. Um, I think the bottom line for most companies around Connected Televisions are that um, they don't feel comfortable, certainly on large screen televisions. Um, You've got a great screen there, and you really want to be able to offer the consumer you know, some type of connectivity that takes advantage of that screen. You don't, as a as a brand, you don't want to have the customer be dependent on some other brand or some other product to get that uh, internet connection, get sure. that internet content to that screen. But the other argument is here, 
I, for example, have a four-year-old Panasonic flat panel TV, 50-inch plasma. Delivers a great picture. Now, if I go to the Best Buy store or the Walmart or the Sam's Club in my neighborhood, and I look at the current TVs, and maybe if I look at them side by side, maybe the newer models are a tad better. But only if you're looking at them side by side. If I want the same features with connectivity, I hook up an Apple TV and I've got it. There's no reason for me at this point to jump to a new set. It's not worth the expense because the value and possibly a slightly improved picture isn't worth the expense. We'll get into more of those viewpoints. One more segment with Stephen Baker of the NPD Group on the Tech Night Out Live. neighbors, you've seen all those crazy, wacky products on TV. The perfect tortilla, easy covers, hot booties, furniture fix, petty spin, and more. Where do you find all that stuff? You go to asseenontv.com because this is the one-stop source for all of these TV goods advertised. Find all your favorites as seen on TV. Check them out as seenontv.com. And by the way, save 10%. Here's what you do. Use the code SCENE1, S-E-E-N number one, SCENE1. Go to asseenontv.com to order. Save 10%. Purchase this summer's hottest As Seen on TV items. Save 10%. Or call 1-866-277-3366. 1-866-277-3366. The code Scene one to save 10%. Jim Newcomer from Midas Resources, November 9th, 2012. Gold opened this morning at 1730.20. A one ounce gold coin can be purchased for 1772.96, 886.48 for a half ounce, or 443.24 for a quarter ounce. That's 1772.96, 886.48, and 443.24. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? Wait a sec. Gold and silver is going up while Congress is trying to settle on the next debt increase. And there's no end to this madness. That old 401k and IRA can be converted into physical gold without tax consequences. I explain this in my book, 10 Reasons to Buy Gold. Don't let time slip away. Call for your free copy today, 800-686-2237. Get away from that Washington spin and get honest answers about gold. 800-686-2237. The book is free, 800-686-2237. American gardeners and fellow patriots make the right choice with your money, time, and your family food supply. Choose 100% pure heirloom seeds in the Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com. Why spend more? The Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com is only $37.95 and includes 20 varieties of pure, hardy, easy-to-grow heirloom seeds. Yes, only $37.95. That's 70% less than our competitors. You could buy three Survival Seed Vaults for less than one of theirs. The Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com includes detailed planting and seed saving instructions and ship same day plus all orders over $49 ship free mypatriotsupply.com is american owned by patriots like you passionate about freedom and preparedness call now 866-229-0927 that's 866-229-0927 or discover more emergency preparedness items when you order at mypatriotsupply.com choose the original choose the survival seed vault at mypatriotsupply.com 
My name is Stephen Hewer. After 22 years of nutritional counseling, I've observed that most brain malfunctions have at their roots some form of toxicity and brain damage. So whether it is poor memory, poor focus, lack of creative thinking, or more serious matters like inability to focus, speak normally, or remember things, the emphasis to getting one's brain working optimally needs to be on detoxification. One World Way supports your body's number one means of detoxification, which is glutathione production. My name is Angie, and my son has suffered from borderline autism and constipation. I got him on One World Way, and in two months, his constipation is gone. He has become friendlier, he can carry on a normal conversation with me, and he has made his first friend. He's doing great, and he looks forward to taking One World Way every day. You could offer him a present or a cake, and he would prefer the One World Way. Go to OneWorldWay.com. That's OneWorldWhey.com. Or call 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. Stephen Baker of the NPD Group. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. And the issue, I guess, the dilemma TV makers pose is probably the one that reflects my particular position here. I have a four-year-old plasma set from Panasonic. It's not the top of the line, somewhere in the middle of the line. A great picture. If I go to the stores, I don't see much of a difference. I know technically there probably is a slightly better picture if you look at them side by side and spend time close up looking at them. But you're sitting in the bedroom five, ten feet away, Huh, there's no difference. So how does the TV maker convince someone like me to buy a new set? So that's a challenge for them, but part of my retort to you would be that's your viewpoint, and it's been kind of forged over 30 years or 50 years or whatever of television ownership that the difference isn't all that great. You know, I would argue that a four-year-old TV, there's an awful lot of differences in terms of what you can get. It's going to be a substantially better picture. It's going to have some very interesting features. You're likely maybe to get a much better energy savings, all those kind of things. Energy savings, I agree with you. The Panasonic sucks up a lot of power, but whether I'll save enough to get the new set, we'll have to see. But yeah, there's the argument because I think traditionally people have been trained to buy the TV set and have it last year after year, not to upgrade every three, four years, five, ten years maybe. So, you know, I think that's a wider, larger question for the electronics business as a whole because I think you can make a pretty good argument that you don't need to upgrade your PC every two years. The speed of the processor or a little bit bigger hard drive or whatever probably isn't going to change your computing experience at all. You really probably don't need at this point to upgrade your smartphone every two years. The last couple at least iterations of most smartphones are pretty darn good. You can look at tablets and, you know, now that, you know, we've gone to, you know, a little bit faster processor and, you know, bigger screens and higher quality screens, you have to ask yourself, what could you possibly do in that category to make me want to upgrade? This does, you know, 95% of what I wanted to do 95% of the time. Why do I spend another five or $600 or $400 on a 
product like that. It's a generic problem that continues to grow in consumer electronics. It's not just a TV problem. So it's the issue here is how do you get people to upgrade? Of course, with the iOS, Apple keeps the older models in the product line. In terms of smartphones, and of course, we have an older model of the iPad, the iPad 2, that's still there. Now, in the case of smartphones, if you don't want to spend $200, you get one for $100. That's a bit slower. You get one that's slower yet for free with your two-year contract. And my son has an iPhone 4, and he's seen my iPhone 4S, and possibly soon I'll get an iPhone 5 because I'm in the business and you have to keep up to date. But he doesn't see a lot of difference. There isn't a lot of difference except for Siri. I would say I'm kind of in the same position where my both of my sons have iPhone 4s and they don't really does pretty much everything they want it to do pretty much all the time, and that's kind of the essence of a great device. But I think a lot of the success of smartphones and the fast uptake is predicated on getting you to buy a new one every two years. It is, but, you know, at some point, maybe you don't necessarily need to do that. Maybe when you go out, you look at that and you say, you know, I don't really need to, just because the contract is up, that's not a good reason to go out and spend 200 or $300 more on, on the latest and greatest product. Most consumers don't need the latest and greatest product. So do the consumer electronics makers try to expand the market as they go to developing countries where people are earning more and more living and eventually they can afford to buy these things? Is that where you go? Certainly, that's been today's model, right? You know, everyone wants to go to China or Vietnam or Russia and Eastern Europe, places that are less penetrated with devices than, you know, the U.S. or Western Europe or Canada. So at this particular point of time, Apple's seeing the larger growth in their business in China, for example. They move the iPhone into India. They want to get all this business as quickly as possible, knowing that as these countries become more prosperous, people will want to get the latest and greatest tech here. So that is how companies expand when their core markets are flattening. Yeah, you, you know, you go to places that are less penetrated, you find new uses for old products, or you try to create new categories. You know, that's kind of the way those things work. And, you know, we're, we're in a position now where the developed countries are relatively saturated in terms of uh, devices. The majority of people have things like smartphones and, um, you know, PCs. So it's a much bigger challenge now uh, in terms of getting people into the store or to your website or whatever and getting them to upgrade. The incremental value of today's device versus yesterday's device has been shrinking over the last few years. That also creates a challenge on the part of companies like Apple to figure out what the next best thing, the next great thing is going to be. You know, when everybody has a smartphone and Macs have gone as far as they can go with Macs and the iPod is, of course, on the way down, where does Apple go next after tablets? Is there some other device that is sitting there on the development table at Apple, at Microsoft, or somewhere else that will replace all this with something even better? You know, your guess is as good as mine. I haven't seen the development table. So, um, but I'm sure, you know, they've got pretty smart people and they're all thinking about what can I do to, you know, build demand. But the big question here as we go to the end of the segment with Stephen Baker of the NPD Group is this holiday season, what's going to be the hot ticket? 
Uh, you know, I think there's multiple hot tickets out there. We're, we're kind of blessed this holiday, um, whether it's the Nintendo Wii U, uh, Windows Phone 8, iPhone 5, the Surface, iPad Mini. Uh, there's a number of new, or Windows 8, you know, just in general. There's a number of new iconic kind of products out there um, that are very different and offer you a whole new experience than what you've had before. So there's no shortage of stuff to sell that's different and exciting. Question, as always, is um, as we just addressed, you know, is it exciting enough to get people into the stores and get them to buy things and get them to buy things at profitable uh, price points? You're going to see more and more ads now for the latest and greatest tech year. Now that they have <laughs> gotten rid of all those political ads, right? There's a little bit of room there now. A lot of room there. I recall here just locally seeing like five or six 30-second ads, sometimes for the same candidate from two different points of view. So you get three ads attacking the candidate, three ads praising the candidate, and sometimes they're mixed up and sometimes they run together. And you look at that and say, you know, I'm sick of this stuff. <laughs> I'd rather watch the iPad commercial. I'd rather watch the clicking, clacking of the Microsoft Surface commercial and all the dancing. I don't need this anymore. Stephen Baker, tell our listeners where they can find more of your stuff. Uh, between the dancing and the clicking and clicking. <laughs> yes, between the dancing and the clicking, you can go to npd.com or npdgroupblog.com. Uh, that's where hopefully we write about some interesting things. Stephen Baker, Vice President of Industry Analysis for the NPD Group. Thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Always a pleasure, Gene. <laughs> America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. In a coming-apart world, you need something to keep it tied together. That something is Atwood Rope, the highest quality rope made in the USA from exotic braids for military, rescue, arborists, shipyards, tow line, or boating. Quality rope at affordable prices you and your customers can depend on. Find a dealer or shop online at atwoodrope.net. Enter promo code RADIO to receive 100 feet of 550 paracord free with purchase. Atwood Rope, working to keep the world tied together. 
Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Iodine protection packs from HempUSA.org are now in stock for immediate delivery worldwide. Our iodine protection packs include micro plant powder, green life kelp, red palm oil, and our clear roll-on iodine that will feed the body the iodine it needs. All iodine protection packs are in stock, save you money, and ship for free in all 50 states. Visit HempUSA.org or call 908-691-2608 today. HempUSA.org has a revolutionary wonder food for detoxing the body and rebuilding the immune system. Microplant powder can help unclog arteries and soften heart valves while removing heavy metals, virus, fungus, bacteria, and parasites. Plus, it cleans and purifies the blood, lungs, stomach, and colon. Keep your body clean with Microplant powder. Visit us at HempUSA.org or call 908-691-2608 today. You know what happens to your digestive health around the holidays? Right. Unusual schedules and foods you don't normally eat can cause upset stomach and indigestion. But you can prepare your digestive tract with Pro-EM-1 Probiotic Cleanse from Terraganics.com. Pro-EM-1 is all natural and made with certified organic ingredients. It contains no genetically modified ingredients or preservatives and has no animal products, wheat, soy, dairy, or gluten. Pro-EM-1 does not require refrigeration, so you can take it with you over the river and through the woods to Grandma's house. Pro-EM-1 supports a healthy, regular digestive system, supports weight loss, and improves absorption of food nutrients. Improve your digestion and keep off those extra pounds with Pro-EM-1 Probiotic Cleanse. Call or click TerraGanix.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com. Toll free, 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. TerraGanics, life's getting better. What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. We have Mike Prospero. He's a reviews editor of Laptop Magazine at LaptopMag.com. We're going to talk about all the latest gear, new Windows, phone gadgets, the Surface, Surface cases, the iPad mini, so much to talk about. But first, a story this week says that Apple got a bunch of new patents, according to the Daily Ticker, including one covering the design of the original iPad. What does this design patent cover? Well, it covers the fact that the iPad's design is a rectangle with rounded corners. <laughs> that's uh, <laughs> that's pretty funny. That's... <laughs> You know, that's what that's what they were going after, I guess. You know, the uh, that's what they were claiming. You know, the rounded corner, this rectangle with round corners. Well, Apple has it, so you can't build anything with rounded corners or rectangles anymore because Apple owns it. Well, I, the, the trapezoid is still, you know, free for use. I think so. Okay, so trapezoids, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to build a tablet to compete with the iPad, trapezoids are open season. <laughs> I think triangles too. 
Right. Make a triangle pad, okay? Call the tripad. Hey, I just invented <laughs> a name. We we, listen, since you're listening, maybe you, I, and maybe Avram Pilch can get together and get a patent on that. There we go. The tripad. You, you, heard, it, you heard it here, folks. We, 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 get, we came up with the idea first. We're cutting edge. But doesn't this show, seriously, Mike, how stupid the patent system is? I don't know if it's stupid. I think it's just antiquated. You know, it has. You, know, they, you haven't uh, sort of caught up with uh, you know modern times. I mean, that pretty much goes for you know when the government is trying to come up with new laws and stuff too. You know, they're they're always going to be a step or two behind uh, you know technology. Right, but the thing is here, they've got to figure it out. They have to realize that if. Apple and Samsung and these companies are spending hundreds of million dollars on legal fees to sue each other. Something has got to be wrong with the way the system works. Perhaps, or maybe it's a system working as it should. I don't know. Something that will be but. determined. Okay. I had a question for you. We have the Microsoft Surface, which except for the very basic model, the 32-gigabyte version, comes with a cover. So... Let me ask you a question here. We see the commercials for the Surface clicking and dancing, but it's got the cover and the kickstand. You pull down the cover and you have the keyboard. With all that, why would you need another case? That's a, that's a good question. Riddle me um, this, Batman. <laughs> Although, uh, I just saw a report today that um, some users are, are reporting that uh, the surface cover, the keyboard, is actually coming apart at the seams. Ooh. Or not. Yeah, right at, um, I think right at the edge where it, it folds, it's starting, some of them are reporting that it's sort of the seam there is, is coming apart, you know, exposing the wires and stuff inside. That's not so, good. That's not good. Is this on the the regular touch cover or the type cover, the one with the more traditional on keyboard? The, uh, the uh, type cover. Oh, the more expensive the one. The keyboard cover, yes. Right. Oh, geez. That's really bad. But, I mean, even, yeah, but uh, even with the fact that the you know the regular one comes with the cover itself, um, yeah, people still like to personalize their gadgets. Um, I think you know I bet that even if the uh, iPad came with a, you know came with a cover, people would still gravitate towards towards other ones that are on the market from third parties, you know, because it's uh, you know a little touch of personalization. But in the case of Microsoft, they have made the cover part of the way the product is normally meant to be used because you're seeing it in the commercials. It's horizontal, it's on the kickstand, it's on a table of some sort, and you have the keypad of some sort. You have a keyboard cover with a keyboard mm -hmm. rather than just opening up a regular cover. Well, not everyone's going to want to use the keyboard, too. I mean, how many... Uh, you know, I, 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 I don't have any firm numbers on this, but... How many people would, you know, who have an iPad or, you know, any other tablet have, do they have a case that doesn't include a keyboard? How many? Most how many, have what, what, cases that don't have keyboards, but it's the way the product is meant to be used. You see, for example, people with the iPad or the commercials, the current commercial with the iPad and the iPad mini, they're playing the piano by touch. They're doing a touch-based function, whereas Microsoft is showing this with a keyboard a traditional mm -hmm. keyboard of some sort. So isn't that saying, hey, folks, this is the ideal way this is to be used? I, I don't necessarily think that. I mean, you know, by, by the very fact that it also has a touchscreen, I mean, uh, I think Microsoft said this is a work-and-play tablet. So 
well, yes, the keyboard is, you know, part of the equation there. Um, there's still a lot that you can do, I think, when they're talking in the commercials, there's still a lot you can do with just a touchscreen. Okay, now, having worked on a Surface, and I assume you have, mm-hmm. how responsive is it just using the touch keyboard, the screen-based touch keyboard? Uh, it's it's fairly responsive. I mean, and then, you know, having used the 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 the, the uh, keyboard case cover too i mean it's it's better than using a touch screen in, ter- in terms of typing stuff but the you know you still don't have the tactile response or feedback that you would get from a, a key, uh, like an actual a keyboard with with actual keys that go you know that move up and down mechanical Keys. Therefore, if you want a more traditional typing experience with a Surface, you get the Type keyboard. Yeah, you definitely do that. Is um, that pretty close to a traditional keyboard? Uh, I haven't tested that one out yet, but okay. um, having, I mean, having tested out a, a large number of iPad keyboard cases, um, it's it's not the experience. Uh, you know, is not you know, it's it's better than typing on the screen, but it's still you're not going to you're not going to get the even with the best one you're not going to have the same experience you would on a traditional keyboard I and mean, that's something you just have to sort of live with just now, because of the size constraints you know and and the uh, thickness constraints. Well, I think our listeners who know me regularly know I use the Matthias Tactile Pro keyboard, which mm-hmm. has traditional Alp switches, kind of like the original Apple Extended Keyboard too, and it's kind of like some of the older IBM keyboards, except they came out with a new version, which is called Quiet, and if you hear it, you can't even hear that, can you? Mm. You hear that? You can't hear it, and that's the new version, which is Quiet. This is an extraordinary keyboard. They do not advertise on the show. So when I recommend Edgar Matthias and his design capabilities in this product, understand it's just a personal recommendation. I'm not getting any money out of it. be nice if I did, but, you know, that's how things go. That's how the cookie crumbles. I think part of it is here is that in terms of advertising, how often do companies really want to advertise a keyboard? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, even one that costs $149, you kind of wonder. All right, let's get back to the Surface. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, we'll go over the Surface a little bit, and then we want to get into some of the newer products, the newest gear, the Windows 8 stuff. And that is, with a Surface, as I understand it, you get the 32-gigabyte Surface but almost half of that is taken up by the OS and bundled apps, so you don't have as much free space as you might expect. Uh, no, that's correct. Um, it's you know, fortunately the uh, the Metro, well, for lack of a better word, you know the, the you know the apps themselves shouldn't take up that much space. And you know, with the starting tablet, um, you know, you're not getting. It's not. A, I don't think it's going to be a huge deal just because. Well, for one thing, um, there's not a lot of stuff, at the moment at least, there's not a lot of stuff that you would do on a tablet that would require a ton of space. And um, Microsoft is really pushing sort of the cloud-based solutions, their SkyDrive and things like that. So the idea would be that you would store more things in the cloud as opposed to on the tablet itself. So in general, then, the best version to get of a Surface is probably the basic model with the type keyboard accessory. Uh, yeah, you could say that. That'd be the best bang for the buck, I would think. Probably, yeah. Okay. It's it's not a cheap it's not a cheap investment. It's five hundred dollars. 
Sure. It's definitely not a cheap investment. We have Mike Prospero, who's never cheap. And he's going to tell you how to get the best value from Mobile Gear as we continue. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! Of the Rockwell. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans the galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack, Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R O C K O I D S.com. Attack, Attack. Of the Rockwell, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. 37 Things to Hoard. Do you have the 37 crucial food items you can't survive without? When the next disaster hits and the mobs go crazy grabbing food off the shelves, you and your family may be without food or waiting in long food lines. Prepare now at 123survivalplan.com. Easy as 123 to remember. 123survivalplan.com. Many people don't have these 37 food items. Learn what you need to hoard now at 123survivalplan.com. Watch the video we've set up for Patriots only at 123survivalplan.com. Get inside information on the 37 food items that will sell out first when the next disaster strikes. This video contains crucial information you and your family need to prepare for any natural or man-made disaster. In the last six months, over one million other smart patriots have already seen this video. Prepare now. Go to 123survivalplan.com and learn which 37 food items you should hoard. Easy to remember, 123survivalplan.com. Again, that's 123survivalplan.com. What's better than Mountain House freeze-dried food? Buckets of Mountain House freeze-dried food. Now the freeze-dry guy introduces convenient, easy-to-store Mountain House survival buckets filled with our top-selling items. Each item is sealed in a Mylar-type pouch, and each pouch is neatly packed in clear buckets so you can easily see the contents inside. These Mountain House survival buckets come with well over a 25-year shelf life and are perfect for emergency preparedness, camping, backpacking, or at-home use. Go to freezedryguy.com. Click on freeze-dried foods and choose our 12-month, 6-month, 3-month, 1-month, or 7-day Mountain House Survival Bucket with 32 generous servings starting at just $69.95. And all orders to the lower 48 ship free. Call 866-404-3663 or go to freezedryguy.com. That's 866-404-3663 or go to freezedryguy.com. 100% veteran-owned. The Freeze-Dry Guy. 
Healthy soils grow healthy plants. So before you plant your survival garden this year, is your soil healthy? Maximize your crisis garden soil with EM1 from Terraganics. EM1 organic soil conditioner, fertilizer amendment, and compost accelerant provides healthier gardens and faster, efficient garden composting. EM1 from Terraganics.com quickly improves soil structure by increasing nutrient availability and converting organic matter into soil humus. This improves seed germination and root growth, improves plant quality, size, color, flavor, nutrient value of fruits and vegetables, and improves shelf life. And when rain is not in the forecast, no worries. EM1 improves moisture retention in soils, helping reduce drought stress. Just like you prepare all else, prepare your crisis garden for maximum yields with EM1 from Terraganics.com. Order now at T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Terraganics, life's getting better. You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle live with Gene Steinberg. We have Mike Prospero, reviews editor of Laptop Magazine at laptopmag.com. And we started our discussion focusing on the Surface tablet and all the ramifications. Okay, so obviously the big question before we get into other gear. Obviously, this is the first thing that Microsoft has done, so therefore we have to consider it a version 1.0 product, pretty much, running Windows 8, trying to be the showpiece for Windows 8 RT. How does it stack up against the Apple and the Google tablets? Uh, it's coming along. In terms of the hardware design, the, the Surface really is well-made. I mean, it's... It's a solid uh, piece of equipment. The biggest, I mean, the biggest issue that any tablet has isn't necessarily the hardware, though, so much as the software and the app system, uh, the app store. Now, Microsoft is quickly building out its app store and getting developers to develop apps for Windows 8, but it still, you know, lags well behind Android and, and iOS in terms of you know, the number of apps available. So that's going to be, I mean, it's sort of a chicken and egg, you know, situation where it's like, do you develop the apps first and, or do you develop the hardware first and so forth? So that's, that's where Microsoft is going to trail Apple and Google uh, in terms of getting its devices adopted. So if I'm a customer looking for tablet, I'm going to look at the ecosystem too. How many apps are available? Are those apps things I want? The one thing that the Surface has going forward is Microsoft Office. Uh, yeah, that is one thing, and especially you know that's very uh, you know obviously a lot of people like using it, and you know as Microsoft is positioning this as a work and play device, you know that's going to be a key feature. So I mean that's one way, and that's one way that uh, the Surface is going to differentiate itself from from its competitors. But you know you look at it. To me, I look at the commercial or any of the pictures showing it on the kickstand with the keyboard facing you. I see a thin netbook in concept that's very much based on a netbook, a very small PC. Microsoft wants us to be all-in-one, but the argument is, is that the right approach? Obviously, Apple says this is a tablet, this is a smartphone, this is a computer. Microsoft says... We can have one gadget that can serve everything but the smartphone. 
Well, I mean, this is I mean, this is their whole strategy behind Windows 8 too. It's it's an operating system that wants to be used for desk, you know, for for you know regular desktops as well as tablets. So that that's where their philosophy lies. Until they switch to you know, until everything switches over to a touch interface or you know, they get rid of the desktop interface altogether. You know, their the whole reason behind this is that. It is a little bit of both. The jack of all trades, but maybe the master of none. I guess time will tell. Any indications this early in the game how the Surface tablet is doing? Uh, not yet. I mean, it's still just making its way to store shelves. Um, I, you know, I was at a Best Buy actually the other day, and they they didn't have it yet. So, uh, but and but Microsoft says it was planning to sell it at you know its Microsoft stores and which, of course, are a limited number. But it's also going to be, they're also going to be having a bunch of pop-up stores, too, around the country uh, that will show up fairly soon. I understand, according to Stephen Baker, the industry analyst from NPD, these would be like holiday stores. They'll be just there for the holidays, I guess, in the malls, and then when the holidays are over, they go down. The question I guess I have is, if the Surface does well, and I am Dell, I am HP, I am Asus. What am I to think of that, that Microsoft is in my space or in my face? Well, I'd be a little annoyed if I were them. I mean, they're, you know, they're, their main ally is also their main rival in a sense. And, you know, you've heard, I think Acer's CEO actually, uh, you know, they're, they're sort of, they're, their feathers have been ruffled a little bit. Yeah, you think. Yeah. Well, is this kind of like what they did with the Zune also, that you had these companies bringing out music players that didn't do that well against Apple and the iPod? And so Microsoft, in a sense, was saying, all right, you're not succeeding. We're going to show you how. And they didn't either, of course. Well, I think there is a different case in that with the Zune, it was Microsoft's own little... UI and stuff like that on the Zune itself, and it wasn't licensing that software to, say, Samsung or Sony. Um, so, you know, so that was a little bit different a use case. There, Microsoft was just a competitor. But in the case of Windows 8, it's licensing, you know, the operating system to all these other companies, as well as coming out with its own product. So I can understand their concern. Okay, looking at Windows 8, any way to know yet how well that's being accepted, especially with all those changes? Well, um, you know, that's another thing. I think we're going to see the real push around the holiday season as to people buying, uh, you know, to see how many people actually buy it, and then to see how many people return it and try and get or get a Windows uh, 7 install disk. Well, the thing I see is I have concerns about Microsoft's way of promoting these things because they are loud, they are noisy, but you look at them, and, for example, we have Windows 8 where somebody taking the touch screen and drawing circles around someone's face. Who really cares? Someone playing tic-tac-toe. Tic-tac-toe is, what, the 1980s? Why are we doing that if we're going to show how these things are used? And I give an example of the very low-key commercials from Apple, showing you do different things on the iPad, just like playing music. Okay, you're playing music with the regular iPad and the iPad Mini. You're showing people accomplishing real things, not putting circles around people's faces or playing tic-tac-toe. Shouldn't Microsoft consider 
showing more of what you could do with Windows 8 rather than silly fluff? That's what it is, fluff. Well, I mean, you know, how how popular was Minesweeper, you know, on on all their, you know, Windows uh older, you know, Windows operating systems. So, I, I don't I don't I don't think it's entirely a poor strategy, but you know, I would agree with you. You have especially with the education that's going to be required to show people how to use Windows 8, you know, they need to sort of do more of that. I mean, I think they should really play up the live tile feature. That's one thing that um, is makes Windows 8 unique and really, you know, is, I think, the killer feature of it. Right. That's where the tiles, ladies and gentlemen, update with new information. Like, for example, you get a tweet, someone from Facebook sends you a note. Okay, now that's an interesting thing here, too. My wife, who is very skilled on the iPad, looked at the Windows 8 commercial, and she looked at me and she said, what are they selling? <laughs> and I said, it's an operating system. What's all this stuff with the circles in the head and all that? What is that? Well, you know, they're trying to, pre- you know, they're trying to present it as, you know, a very family-friendly device, I guess. Um, and that's, you know, I guess something that would people want to do. Uh, <laughs> Your guess is as good as mine when it comes to uh, their advertising decisions. Well, I'll tell you what. I've been using an iPhone since 2007, so five years on iPhones. I've never felt the temptation to draw a circle around someone's face, a white circle in any kind of photo editing app. Now, that might just Mm be me. I'm kind of crazy. I don't pretend to be the typical person out there. I don't know. But I guess the other question I would ask then is, if the Surface and Windows 8 don't do for Microsoft what they want, what is plan B? I'm sorry? If the Surface and Windows 8 aren't huge successes, or at least moderate successes for Microsoft, what is plan B? Uh, That's a good question. Um, I think, you know, just by the fact that you know, Windows is used on you know the majority of systems around the world. You know, they're just going to keep sort of forging ahead. And you know, I think I really think Windows 8 is a stepping stone between a sort of traditional desktop system versus a completely touch-based system. Um, so I, I probably you know in the years to come, we're going to see the desktop maybe slowly disappear from from uh, Windows devices. So this is the first stage. Microsoft figures they're playing the long game. So if Windows 8 doesn't mm-hmm. do as well as they want, well, there's always Windows 9. Yep, and they'll uh, still make money uh, selling Windows 7 disks. <laughs> well, that's true also. If you buy a computer with Windows 8 and say, you know, I don't like this, I'm going to go back to Windows 7 or I'll get Windows 7, Microsoft makes a sale. It doesn't matter. Exactly. A sale is a sale... So they don't care that much as long as they're able to prosper. And maybe they'll learn some lessons from this of ways to make Windows 9 more acceptable if the message hasn't worked, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. In mm-hmm. any case, we have Mike Prospero. He's from Laptop Magazine. We've going to start covering Windows Phone 8 in our next segment on the Tech Night Out Live. <laughs> The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. G-C-N. Great talk radio starts here.
Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, and carding to a private bank, having it lent back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Who wants to be disease-free, full of energy, and vibrant health? Two reasons you may feel constantly tired and run down could be that your body's acid level is high and your pH level is low. How does acid enter your body? A cup of coffee, a sandwich, tap water, stress, and cell phones. Plus, your own body produces acid on a regular basis. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops alkalize the water you drink and raise your pH level. They promote more oxygen in your system, higher energy potential, and many other documented health benefits. And studies show viruses bacteria and toxins cannot survive in an alkaline high pH environment. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops is the least expensive and the best pH level product you can buy. Order AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops for just $29.95 at AlkaVision.com spelled A-L-K-A Vision.com or call 800-518-7615 that's 800-518-7615 Alkalize your body, supercharge your health with pH Drops from AlkaVision.com Welcome back to the Tech Night Out Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We continue with Mike Prospero of Laptop Magazine at LaptopMag.com. He's a reviews editor. He gets to see everything, or at least gets to tell people what to test, what to write about. Windows Phone 8. The first device is hitting the stores. Is this the stuff from Nokia or somewhere else? Uh, Nokia and HTC. Um, I had the opportunity last week to go out to the Windows Phone 8 launch event in uh, San Francisco and uh, got to play around with some of their new, uh, the new devices. So tell us here, what impression do you get? Is there an overall impression or a theme about Windows Phone 8 that kind of identifies it? Like, for example, with Windows 8, it's, of course, the tiles. Is that the same thing with Windows Phone 8, or is there something new, different, that's very compelling? No, it's the, uh, it's the tiles, and I think they're even more compelling in Windows Phone 8 than they are on Windows 8. Um, and, you know, it really, you know, like, you know, like with, like with uh, the desktop operating system, you know, these live tiles really serve to make your, own, make your phone a lot more personal, and make it a lot easier to get the information you need at a quick glance. I mean, you know, you can just, you know, it's, it's, it's great to be able to just sort of pull out your phone, take a quick look at the screen, and know what you need to know in a few seconds. Now, is that the intention then with Windows Phone 8 
they don't expect you to spend as much time as maybe on an iPhone or a Google Nexus or something. But even then, they have notification features, too. Apple has notification center, so you can grab your iPhone and get a sense of what's going on. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, here with the live tiles, it, they give you, you know, sort of greater uh, greater context when it comes to um, when it comes to notifications and so in some respects, not all, but in some respects, I mean, you can see, you know, for example, there's, you know, the, like a weather live tile shows not only the weather, but, you know, you know, not only the temperature, but also shows you at a glance, you know, if it's raining or not, which, you know, on the East coast is uh, <laughs> more than a concern these days or snowing or something. Exactly. Well, maybe they should also have a tile that shows whether your power has been returned. Hmm. You know, I mean, how is it for you? I mean, you guys are New York City based, so yes. let's kind of get personal about that. How did it impact your operation? It was pretty tough. Uh, we were all working out of our homes for a few days. Our office is located in Lower Manhattan, so you know there there's a few days where we couldn't even you know the power is knocked out to our building, so we couldn't even get in. And it was just a, a tremendous effort by everybody here. You know, Laptop Magazine and Tech Media Network, our parent company, to not only coordinate things but also uh, to you know help everyone out who needed it uh, while their power out was out. You know, a number of people you know lost heat, power, obviously electricity, water. You know, so it was it was a nightmare for for a few days. Even now, you know, some of us don't even don't still don't have hot water. So it's it's still an ongoing process, and then we just had the a snowstorm a few days ago, and that knocked out power to some people who had gotten just gotten it back. Let's move into something I guess more fun because that's not fun. <laughs> I used to live in your area. I used to work not far from where your office is right now for many years, and I kind of think, okay, I lived in Queens, New York, in the Little Neck area. I lived in New Jersey took the system, the New Jersey transit system, to Midtown in Manhattan, where you guys are located. And I can imagine not being able to work for several days because we didn't have telecommuting as convenient back, say, in the 1980s. Mm -hmm. So I have to consider the differences. Let's get back to the fun thing. Okay, if we're looking at Windows Phone 8, obviously Windows Phone 7 also had the tiles. What are the big gains for Windows Phone 8? Well, it's just uh, sort of a more refined operating system for one thing. For one thing, uh, Windows Phone 8 supports higher resolution screens, so where in the past you were sort of limited, the phone, the hardware itself was limited to, oh, I forget what it was now, uh, I think it was like 1024 by 600 or something like that. Now you can have HD screens, you know, 1280 by 720 and things like that. So they've, they've expanded the hardware a bit. Another new feature is Nokia Maps, Nokia's maps are now integrated, or sort of an integral part of all Windows Phone 8 devices. Now, fast uh, question are... here. Does, does it have a 3D at all, the Nokia maps? Yes, it does. Okay, and they didn't melt the Statue of Liberty? No, they did not. It's still, it's still in one piece. Now, this is an interesting thing here, too. When Tim Cook of Apple basically apologized for the condition of Apple maps... They said, mm-hmm. well, you can download something like MapQuest, go online for Google and Nokia. So we expect from what Apple says that Nokia has a pretty good mapping system. Yeah, it does. Um, you know, we real, um, I really like the, you know, the way the maps look. Um, 
the one thing I I would say that it needs to add um, on all of it on all the phones is uh, public transit information. It shows where the stops are, but it doesn't show what lines are running to those stops. And that's pretty uh, confusing it, if you're in New York City where you have different transportation lines, not so much in outlying areas where you only have the one train. Now, of course, Apple gets away with that by linking you to separate apps. Google integrates it, so they have to boost it. There's no turn-by-turn, or is there? There is, actually. I believe there is. And it's it's kind of an interesting thing, actually. I, I, I tried out both the Nokia Lumia 920 and the HTC Windows Phone 8X, and I think Nokia reserved some of the more fun features of its maps for its phone rather than and, and instead of and, and didn't put it on the general Windows Phone 8. For example, on the Nokia, on the Lumia 920, actually there are, it does show the various uh, transit lines and it has its own separate uh, navigation app. Um, and that, and those two features aren't on uh, the HTC device. Okay. So there's a few differences. I mean, you have to when if if you are shopping for a Windows Phone 8 phone, um, you have to be aware of these different, uh, you know, these different little tweaks that you know some that you know some Nokia phones might have that others might not. Okay. Let me ask you a fast question here, though. We know yeah. that basically. Windows Phone up to now has been almost a rounding error in the smartphone wars, which are mostly Apple and Google. So Mm -hmm. is this the answer, or does Microsoft continue having to work on Windows Phone with the 8.5, with the 9.0, etc.? Well, I think regardless, you're going to have to keep working on it and improving it, but... um I, you know, and I don't think their their market share you know hasn't really increased all that much yet. But once again, you know, this is a case of needing more apps in the store. Um, it's growing fast, you know. But you know, I think they had uh, as of last week they had forty seven of the top fifty apps, you know, most popular apps in their in their marketplace. But it's still, you know, overall it, comp- it pales in comparison to uh, Apple and Google. So that's you know once again absolutely the key the key to the game here. It's this cart before the horse syndrome all over again. I was going to say obviously, but you have to have the hardware out there too, and and to, you know for something to load the to some, for something to load the app onto. Now the other issue, of course, has been always here Microsoft's decision to cut off the earlier devices. So, for example, we had all the big ads for the Lumia nine hundred running Windows Phone 7.5. I suppose there's a 7.8 or something update. They can't go to 8. Didn't Microsoft make a huge mistake in making that limitation? Um, I, not necessarily. I, honestly, I think there's such, you know, there such a limited adoption of those devices that um, it, 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 w- it wasn't that huge of a risk. I mean, obviously, you're going to have some disappointed customers out there, uh, but Considering the install base was so small to begin with, I don't think that was. It would. I don't think it would have been as big a concern if, say, Apple said, "Okay, everyone who has an iPhone 3GS can no longer use the app, the App Store." 
All right, that would be a bigger deal, <laughs> wouldn't it be? Okay, we have Mike yeah. Prospero of Laptop Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many forms formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. Friends, this is Alex Jones for MidasResources.com. For more than 15 years, I have exclusively used Midas Resources for all my precious metal needs. Whether it's bullion or collectibles you're looking for, Midas Resources is simply the best. I own my gold as a hedge against inflation. This Federal Reserve fiat currency could go the way of the Deutschmark and the Weimar Republic anytime. In these historically dangerous times, it makes sense to physically hold gold and silver. Midas already has some of the best deals in the industry. But if you give them a call and mention the radio special, they will give you a list of the day's super specials. Midas brokers are standing by to answer all your questions at 800-686-2237. They also have a lot of informative free literature explaining the opportunities and risk of holding precious metals. They are ready to answer your questions at 800-686-2237. Again, that's 800-686-2237. Would it save you time to get the best quality water filters and the best quality storable foods from one company? You bet it would, and now you can at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. Big Berkey water filter products and great-tasting, long-lasting, storable, wise foods are both now available on one website, BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. Wise foods, ready-to-eat meals are packed in airtight nitrogen pouches and come with a 25-year shelf life. Big Berkey water filters are powerful enough to purify treated, untreated, or even stagnant pond water. Combine Berkey water filters with wise foods for an unbeatable preparedness combination. Get free shipping on every order over $50. And GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit big, B-E-R-K-E-Y, waterfilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Or go to bigberkeywaterfilters.com. What's safer and cheaper than prescription drugs? Glad you asked. The answer is Renovation Teas. Herbal remedies are much safer and much cheaper than prescription drugs. Taste great, and most importantly, herbal teas are effective and non-addictive. Renovation Tea is especially unique, and here's why. We spent years researching herbs and their beneficial properties. Renovation Teas uses only 100% organic, fair trade herbs. Our teas are blended towards specific ailments and health conditions, such as diabetes, blood pressure, anxiety, libido, detox, and much more. 
All renovation teas are formulated and hand-filled in Arkansas. Take care of yourself naturally, the way Mother Nature intended. Order renovation teas at renovationtea.com or call 870-784-3121. That's 870-784-3121. Renovation Teas. Renovate your health one bag at a time. Welcome back to the Tech Night Out Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. On the Tech Night Out Live, we have Mike Prospero of Laptop Magazine, and we're exploring Windows 8, Windows Phone 8, the Surface Tablet, all that stuff. So now, having played with a few of these devices, Windows Phone 8, is Microsoft there yet, or maybe they have to wait a little bit more, another generation, to get it right? And do they have time? I mean, how much time do they have with Apple and Google owning the market? Can they just keep plugging away and pray it's going to come together in a few years? I think so. I think they have, I think they have a chance to really you know, carve themselves a niche in the market. And it's because their operating system is so much different than Apple and uh, Google's. I mean, it's not a bunch of squares with rounded corners. Uh, so basically July, here I, we look at Apple and Google, and they have variations on a theme. We can go into the argument about Google supposedly copying things from Apple. Regardless, they're going in the same direction. Microsoft has gone elsewhere, which at least means they're not trying to imitate anybody else. Yep. And I, I think I, actually with Apple, you know, with them getting rid of uh, Scott Forstall the other week, I think, you know, there's a that signal that uh, a change within Apple, at least a recognition that they need to do something new as well. I think maybe it's that they see, you know, what Windows Phone 8 is doing, and they have to start thinking more creatively. Well, yes and no, because there are also theories that Forstall was just difficult to deal with. That's uh, true. I mean, maybe it, it could be a little bit of both, actually. But He favored design flourishes with the operating systems that others really didn't like, the skeuomorphic thing where mm-hmm. you have calendar, and it's got the leather stitching effect, and who cares? Or maybe some yeah, people well, care, but I understand Steve Jobs liked it. I understand Scott Forstall obviously liked it. Also, complaints that maybe Apple was producing operating systems with too many bugs. We're talking about maps and the way that Forstall might have treated it. There is the rumor, of course, that Forstall was asked to sign that letter of contrition that mm-hmm. Tim Cook signed. Have him sign it as well. He's the guy responsible. The buck stops here with these two men. He refused to do so. Of course, that and maybe trying to be a pint-sized dictator. But we don't know, because I was saying in some other segments, it's kind of unfair, because Scott Forstall is obviously in no position to respond to any of this. He's being trashed in public as being a horrible person. And he can't just get back and say something, because one, he's got a non-disclosure agreement. He still works for Apple, even after he leaves Apple, there's going to be a period of time where he will not be allowed to say anything, so he's not going to be able to write the book My Story for three or four years. Maybe it won't matter mm-hmm. then. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Then, uh, I mean, Should we be yeah, kind to Scott Forstall? Look, they made the change. I mean, I've been in situations, 
and maybe you have as well, where I've worked for people, got involved in corporate politics. Maybe I did some wrong things. Maybe I did some right things. But I got the short end of the stick. But I didn't go back and go on Twitter. There's no Twitter in those days. And make the complaint. That's how you go. All right, let's look at more things going on here now. The Windows Phone 8 devices. Now we compare them to the iPhone 5. The Samsung mm-hmm. Galaxy 3S, the hot-selling phones yes. of the era. Mm-hmm. Okay, how does, say, the Nokia Lumia 920 or one of these top-flight Windows Phone 8 devices compare? Uh, it compares pretty favorably. Um, there, it's the uh, you know it has a few tricks up its sleeve that you know such as uh, wireless charging. Um, has a, you can you can just rest the uh, Nokia down on this little charging pad without plugging in any wires, and uh, you know it'll start recharging the phone right away. So that's a neat little feature. And pl- and then there's going to be accessories that come out that allow you to say you can play music at the same time while the phone is recharging, just by setting it down on something. So that's a that's a cool feature. You know, once again, it's I, I hate to sound like a broken record, but you know, it's the, the live tiles really make a, a difference in terms of how the Nokia stands out. You know, against uh, its chief competitors. What about the multitasking system? We have with Google a fairly complete multitasking system. Apple's iOS has a limited function multitasking system that gets a little bit more involved as the power of the iPhones increase. What does Microsoft offer in answer to that? Well, it, too, has a little multitasking system. Um, I think it could use some refinement, but you can do a few things at once. So you can, you know, say, listen to music or or whatnot while you're checking your email or surfing the web or something like that. And it's some, the, 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 only question, the only thing I have that's an issue is, uh, you know, have, switching between apps and then closing apps. It's a little bit... It, I think it takes one or too many steps at the moment, but it's still there. So that is one of the issues. So the OS may still need some work, at mm-hmm. least in that respect. What about other features like the accelerometer and all this other stuff that all the other phones have? Are they pretty comparable, the GPS and everything? Yeah, it's all pretty comparable. Um, yeah, like I said, the, all the Windows Phone 8 devices have Nokia maps in them, which are very attractive. And uh, you know, in general, the App Store is growing fairly well. Um, the main thing I think is also that also puts Windows Phone 8 devices ahead of the competition is the way that it integrates uh, your contacts. When you set up the phone, you can you can you can set up your Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, you know, and Skype, all that stuff. So it all integrates. And then if you're in, say, the Photos app. It'll show you all the new photos from all of your contacts. It sort of pulls them into one place, and so it's it, and and so it's a kind of a neat way to be able to see what everybody is doing, at you know at once, you know, in just a quick glance. So that's you know, and that's one thing that you don't see with the other operating systems. This integration among apps, like for example, Apple has iPhoto, but there is a certain degree of integration with the OS and with the desktop version of iPhoto, but you don't have that last increment with the social networking. Exactly. There's, okay. uh, for example, in uh, Windows Phone, there's another built-in app that comes native. It's native. It's called Me. It's very simply Me. And if you open that, 
you know, it pull, it aggregates all of your, and once again, it aggregates all of your contacts. And, you know, there's a, like a notifications page, basically, that, you know, shows all of your updates from Twitter and Facebook and, you know, LinkedIn and stuff like that. So it's really easy to see what everyone is doing, you know, in one spot. All right. Well, we'll have to see how this works out with Windows Phone 8 devices. But right now, is the Nokia the flagship in terms of those products? Pretty I would much. say so, yeah. Okay. Um, so if you really want to get the best of Windows Phone 8, and you're looking at which particular smartphone to buy, you're going to look at the Nokia Lumia and hope that, of course, the 920 will be upgradable to Windows Phone 8.5 or 9. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, but- I still have to think that kind of sticks. We'll get into more of that in a moment. We have Mike Prospero. He's reviews editor for Laptop Magazine. You go to laptopmag.com to check out all the latest reviews. And even as we speak, there are always going to be more stuff being put up there. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com slash radio, DreamHost.com slash radio. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light Systems system today complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231 and the Berkey guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey light, the Berkey guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653 or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. If you're considering a water filter, have you heard about Aquapail? Aquapail from FreezeDryGuy.com has huge advantages over many other water filters. American-made Aquapail units are designed and engineered to not just filter contaminated water, but capture or kill all bacteria and viruses to non-detectable levels. Aquapail has the fastest flow rate of any other water filter on the market, filtering a gallon of contaminated water in about five minutes. 
That's water when you need it. Now, get the world's fastest, safest, and most reliable gravity-fed portable water treatment system for surface, well, and wastewater sources. Aquapail. Available in four sizes starting at only $100. In all orders to the lower 48, ship free. Call 866-404-3663 or go to freezedryguy.com. That's 866-404-3663 or freezedryguy.com. 100% veteran-owned. The Freeze Dry Guy. You know what happens to your digestive health around the holidays? Right. Unusual schedules and foods you don't normally eat can cause upset stomach and indigestion. But you can prepare your digestive tract with Pro-EM-1 Probiotic Cleanse from Terraganics.com. Pro-EM-1 is all natural and made with certified organic ingredients. It contains no genetically modified ingredients or preservatives and has no animal products, wheat, soy, dairy, or gluten. Pro-EM-1 does not require refrigeration, so you can take it with you over the river and through the woods to Grandma's house. Pro-EM-1 supports a healthy, regular digestive system, supports weight loss, and improves absorption of food nutrients. Improve your digestion and keep off those extra pounds with Pro-EM-1 Probiotic Cleanse. Call or click Terraganics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com. Toll free, 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Terraganics, life's getting better. What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. Mike Prospero, reviews editor of Laptop Magazine at laptopmag.com. Exploring all the new operating systems and gear and everything else, and we're seeing a promising beginning for Nokia's Lumia 920, which is being aggressively priced. I saw it for, what, $99 at AT&T? Yep, 99 bucks. Whoa, okay. Can they make a profit at that price? Uh, who knows? You know, but you know, I think at this point it's just a matter of getting devices into people's hands. So maybe they're willing to sacrifice a few dollars along the way. And that, of course, gets to the philosophy with tablets. We have Google and Amazon selling tablets for not much more than they pay to build them. We have mm-hmm. Apple with the iPad Mini of 329 where they're making supposedly less than their usual profit, but still a decent profit. So should Apple have been more aggressive in pricing the iPad Mini, or maybe it doesn't matter because it's Apple? I think it doesn't matter because it's Apple. Um, and and Apple makes more money on the hardware than it does on on the services, so it's it's just a, it's a different economic model for them. You know, it is a, it is a certainly a very nice piece of hardware. Let me tell you, um, you know, when you hold the uh, the uh, iPad Mini up against you know the Nexus Seven or the 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 uh, Fire HD or even the the new Barnes and Noble Nook. I mean, it's definitely, it's, you know, the thinnest and the lightest, really. And it really feels like a slick piece of hardware. The fact that it doesn't have a retina display. I understand Apple has possibly better type or text generation than, say, Google or maybe Amazon does. It compensates some, but doesn't compensate completely? Yeah. Um, and that, is one, that is one of the chief concerns, is that it all has a, has a, it's basically an iPad 2, you know, that was shrunken down a bit. Um, so, 
you know, but I mean, that's, you know, that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, the iPad 2 is still, was still a pretty good tablet. And, uh, uh, so, and, 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 and it's definitely, you know, a lot easier to hold in one hand. Well, that might be a key. Do you think that a tablet like the iPad mini will become the mainstream tablet and the larger tablet like the regular iPad or the comparable tablets, the Surface, all the stuff that's nine and a half, ten and a half inches, that will become maybe the home base workhorse tablets. And could, the ones for travel and convenience and taking into the bedroom will be the seven, the seven point nine inch, that kind of thing. Yeah, it could be. I mean it's certainly more manageable in size. Um you know, it's a lot easier to, to stuff the mini into a backpack or a purse or something like that than the full size one. And I know just from you know riding the subways, you know you see a lot more people with the with the sm- with smaller size tablets because it's easier to hold in one hand. Especially for subway riding, easier to keep control of, easier to keep people from taking it from you. Precisely, of course, which could be <laughs> now that Apple's decision to use the four three aspect ratio, more like a traditional mm-hmm. printed page on the iPad and the iPad Mini. Whereas widescreen choices on the Nexus Seven, the Amazon Kindle. Is Apple a better way to present on a smaller device, more screen real estate because of that? Uh, I don't know if it's better. Uh, it's different. It depends on the content you're, you're, you're looking at. I mean, if you're watching a movie, then maybe a widescreen is better because, you know, you, don't, you can use actually more of the screen real estate for everything. As a, um, but, you know, when you're reading, perhaps you know, the 4.3 aspect is, is better better use of screen real estate. You know, is this, for example, when Apple did their demonstration, they bring up a website, and they mm-hmm. have it in the landscape position against, like, a Nexus 7. This is in their demonstration. On the Nexus 7, with the stuff on top and everything, not much more than the header on a site, whereas you start to see some content on the iPad Mini. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you go. But, you know, if they were to put up a trailer... You know, what would what would that look like? You want to see the latest Skyfall bars. trailer, yeah, for the new you James get Bond flick. On the, right. on the mini or the iPad, and you wouldn't, or they'd be at least it'd be a lot smaller on the other tablets. It depends on whose design compromises you agree with. Yeah, exactly. Well, it looks like Apple's selling a ton of those iPad minis, so maybe they made the right decision after all. We'll have to see. I guess the question think, also on the long haul is whether the pricing model of Google and Amazon to expect you to get content for your hardware is the one that works in the long haul. I, I think it, it, it remains to be seen. I mean, um, I think both models could actually work, you know, because the use cases are, are somewhat different for the iPad versus, say, the Kindle Fire. Um, you know, in term, you know, the Kindle Fire is designed for those who have a lot of things in the Amazon ecosystem. Um, whereas, you know, for Apple, you know, such as books or movies or things like that, you know, whereas, you know, the the iPad Mini, you know, is more about sort of the apps and things like that. Well, it's good for books too. That's true. That's, right. I mean, if I'm reading a book on. An iPad mini, and yeah, the screen's smaller, I bring it closer to my eyes. I think that's going to be okay. If I'm reading a book, say, on a Nexus 7, well, it's the widescreen, so I've got, you know, I'm not seeing the full page, or I have to scroll differently, or I have to have different trades and choices. We have to see where that 
works with the market. Man, it's going to be interesting having all these choices. Let's continue to look at new products. Did you have a chance to look at the new the new Mac Mini with a Fusion drive? I uh, know we haven't had a chance to look at that one yet, unfortunately. Right now. Ladies and gentlemen, for those who are interested, the Fusion Drive is kind of a take on what they call the hybrid drive, which is like a mixture of solid state and traditional hard drive to get more performance. So this is something in the future to look at. But do you think that's really a magic bullet between the dilemma of having expensive solid state drives and having something that's affordable with a lot of capacity? I think so. I mean, you're seeing that uh, paradigm used with a lot of the uh, Ultrabooks now. Um, you know, you have like a 32 or 24 gigabyte solid state drive, and then a, sort of a larger mechanical hard drive attached to it. And it it's not you know you're not going to get the super high speed performance of an SSD, but you will store you will get faster boot times, and you know, over time you will get you know faster launch speeds and things like that. And the one, the the biggest benefit is that it keeps the cost down. Um, you know, where, whereas notebooks with SSDs you'd be paying close to a thousand bucks. I've seen ones with these hybrid drives, you know, around you know less, you know, seven hundred or less. Sometimes. Now, sure. Now, Apple's stock and trade here is with the Fusion Drive. They have one hundred twenty gigabytes of solid state storage. So you get the whole operating system. A lot of your apps are going to be there and then documents you work on frequently. There was a test in one other magazine, and I'm not going to mention it because you haven't had your chance to look at it yet, but it showed performance to be very, very close to a pure solid-state drive. Mm-hmm. Well, when you have a 120-byte gig you know, SSD, that is essentially a solid-state drive right there. <laughs> That's a fairly decent-sized one because it means mm-hmm. that all your apps pretty much and maybe the documents you use most often, assuming how intelligent mm-hmm. the caching mechanism is, it could give you that kind of thing. I kind of think that the content creators who make multi-gigabyte video files, it's not going to be as efficient. I mean, for most of us, I mean, I work with audio files all the time, but they're, what, 100, 120 megabytes in size for each segment mm-hmm. of the show. That would work on a drive like that very well. But if I'm doing movies with Final Cut or one of the other applications, Premiere Pro or something, that's not going to be enough. Well, I think if you're doing all that stuff, you are going to invest in a much larger hard drive, a much larger SSD, I should say. And I would hope if I'm in that business, I'm making the big bucks and I could afford to do it. You know, if I want to kick out $1,000 for a 768-gigabyte solid-state drive, it's drop in the bucket. If I work with a movie studio, you know, Industrial Light and Magic, now owned by Disney, you know, they want to spend an extra $100 million on boxes and boxes of solid-state drives. You know, they've got the money. They can afford to do it. For someone like me, I'm looking forward to this intermediary step. We have Mike Prospero, the Refuse Editor of Laptop Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. <laughs> Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. 
Hey, neighbors, you've seen all those crazy, wacky products on TV. The perfect tortilla, easy covers, hot booties, furniture fix, petty spin, and more. Where do you find all that stuff? You go to asseenontv.com because this is the one-stop source for all of these TV goods advertised. Find all your favorites as seen on TV. Check them out as seenontv.com. And by the way, save 10%. Here's what you do. Use the code SCENE1, S-E-E-N number one, SCENE1. Go to asseenontv.com to order. Save 10%. Purchase this summer's hottest As Seen on TV items. Save 10%. Or call 1-866-277-3366. 1-866-277-3366. The code Scene one to save 10%. If you owe the IRS back taxes, listen carefully. Sweeping changes to IRS policies will help more people than ever eliminate their tax debts once and for all. And now, thanks to Dan Pillow, you can get the tax help you need to end your tax nightmare. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I've helped thousands of people reduce or eliminate tax debts they couldn't pay. And after more than 30 years of experience dealing with the IRS, I can tell you there's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. With the IRS's new policies, it's easier than ever to put your tax debt behind you once and for all. Call now at 800-346-6829 to learn how I can help you. You know your IRS debt will not go away by itself, but you don't have to live in fear anymore. Call 800-346-6829. Learn how I can help you eliminate wage and bank levies, release tax liens, and negotiate a settlement with the IRS that will put your tax nightmare behind you forever. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, taxhelponline.com. That's taxhelponline.com. In more ways than one, it's going to be a November to remember. Going on now, and just in time for the holidays, Emergency Essentials offers a huge Mountain House sale only at BePrepared.com. All Mountain House cans are 20 to 32% off. For example, a can of Mountain House Chili Mac, regularly $25.49, is now only $17.24. Scrambled eggs with bacon, usually $31.89, now only $21.56. And save 26% on a three-day emergency kit. Or save $123 on a one-month supply of freeze-dried and dehydrated foods. Gift shoppers, check out the Catadine Vario Water Filter at 26% off or get special pricing on the Gerber suspension multi-tool and the Volcano Stove Collapsible Cooking Combo. For details, call 800-999-1863 to experience exceptional customer service and Emergency Essentials low price guarantee. But hurry, the November to Remember sale ends November 30th. That's 800-999-1863. The choice is clear. Be unprepared or be prepared.com. A little over a year ago, I began to do a lot of research into why, even though I had a pretty good-sized meal, that I was still starving. And my research led me to a well-known fact that most of the soils that we grow our crops on here in the United States and across the industrialized world are almost completely depleted of almost all of the key minerals and trace elements that our bodies need to rebuild themselves, fight off cancer, and be healthy. I then searched out the best vitamin and mineral company out there and discovered Longevity. The Longevity products are designed to give you the real nutrition you need, and once you've got that, you don't have to eat as much to be satisfied. I've lost 37 pounds in two months simply getting the vitamins and minerals I need. Check it out for yourself. It's incredible. Go to InfoWarsTeam.com today and order your first canister of Beyond Tangy Tangerine Complete Multivitamin Mineral Complex Dietary Supplement. That's InfoWarsTeam.com. 
You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. We have Mike Prospero of Laptop Magazine, where he's reviews editor, and he is, I guess, the go-to guy over there for that stuff. And, of course, we have Avram Pilch, who's also one of our favorites over there for all his great opinions and observations. Let me ask you a question here. Of recent stuff you've tested, and I'm putting you on the spot here, and you don't have to pick up on it if you don't want to. Recent stuff you've tested. Did you find any specific products among them that really, really disappointed you? Hmm. Disappointed. As opposed to surprise, and we'll get to the surprise and amazement factor soon. Well, let me think about this one. We've had a lot of stuff going through recently, so uh, I'd have to think about this one for a second. Let me, uh, let me dig back through my memory here. Okay, so right now it's um, cranking. He's got that little computer, that little personal yeah, got, computer. Uh, the, 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 the gerbil is spinning. Uh, Actually, if you saw the last episode of Fringe. Okay. I have not actually. Right, okay. So I don't want to be a spoiler, but there's this device that the watchers use, this little thing that sticks in the back of their head, and one of the lead characters put it in the back of his head to enhance himself. Mm-hmm. Okay? Uh-huh. So, all right. Well, there's, you know, in terms of... Um, in terms he's of got it in his head. Are... Listen, he's admitting it. <laughs> I would say, it's, I, I guess in terms of things that somewhat were disappointed us, we're not one thing in particular, but a design. I mean, uh, going to Windows 8, um, you know, you, you're seeing a lot of different designs for notebooks, you know, who are trying to combine sort of a desktop and a tablet experience in one. Um, and one of these designs is it's a slider design. So imagine if you have a tablet, uh, you know, a touchscreen tablet, and then the screen slides upwards to reveal a keyboard. Uh, where's and we've seen we've seen two so far. There's a Toshiba satellite U925T and a Sony a Duo 11, I believe. And I think there's one or two others out on the market, but those are the first two that we've tested. Um, so you're getting sort of the thickness and the weight of a regular notebook uh, in a large tablet. You know, these have you know 12, 11, 12 inch screens, and everything about it you know it's I, we like you know, the idea that companies are experimenting with trying to get windows 8 to work the you know the best with with their hardware but these two designs left, left us a little bit cold um for one thing uh you know both have both to their credit have gorilla glass displays but even when it's docked you know, if you throw this notebook in your, you know, this tablet slash notebook slash hybrid in your bag, the screen is still exposed no matter what. So we're always concerned that, you know, it could bump up against something or hit something and there goes your screen. It's not like a traditional notebook where you just fold it. Exactly. A traditional clamshell. I wonder when you have a product like that, if they go in the PowerPoint room and they have the presentation and they say, what features haven't other companies added to their touch-based notebooks to make them different? Let's think of all the features they don't have, and then we'll build something with an exception. It sounds like a desperation, don't you think? Not necessarily desperation, but the sort of experimentation. Um, you know, both companies are coming out with a variety of different, you know, different ways to treat uh, Windows Windows 8, and this is just one of them. I mean... 
this it's it's kind of an inter- it's a very interesting time because we're I'm seeing you know all sorts of designs and new approaches and fresh approaches to hardware design that I haven't seen in in ages. So it's it's exciting in that respect. It's a question of which are innovative, which are desperate, and does the Surface tablet pave the way? Of the products you've tested recently, and maybe this won't require as much going back through the little computer to stick in the back of your head there. <laughs> what products have amazed you, surprised you, performed better than you hoped for? Uh, what Actually, what I liked was the Dell XPS 12. Um, this one also is a Windows 8 notebook. And it has a, a screen that rotates. It, it sort of flips. Um, it, so you can use it as a traditional notebook, or you can flip the screen around and fold it and use it as a tablet. And the smart thing about this is that you know when you when you're carrying it around, you can you can carry it around as a traditional notebook. So the screen is always protected. So, so this is an interesting pro- compromise. Yes. Yeah, and you know obviously it is a bit heavy for. For a pure tablet, I mean, I think that's you're gonna you're gonna encounter that with any system that tries to do this hybrid sort of uh, technology. But I think it is the best way to handle Windows 8's dual UIs. But isn't that also not dissimilar to some of the older devices that had the swiveling screens and all this other stuff to enable uh, you to use touch? And then, of course, you didn't have Windows 8. Yeah, I mean, I actually the design that Dell is using is not that unlike a netbook they used to have. The uh, I think it was called the Inspiron Duo, if I'm not mistaken. But it's not like um, a traditional notebook that has a hinge in the middle and then you flip and rotate the screen. This one has basically, if you can imagine, the frame of the lid, the outer frame, lifts up. But then, in the middle, in the center of it, on each side, there's a, there is a hinge, so the screen flips inside this frame, and then and then you know goes back and and then docks that way. So it's a different way to treat, you know, a, a rotating screen, but it's it's an elegant solution, I think. It's another way to address this composite kind of computer. Exactly. It's still the image of a composite computer. It is a touch screen. It is a traditional notebook which you use keyboard and trackpad or whatever. Whereas, again, of course, that's Microsoft's direction. That's where Microsoft mm-hmm. wants to go. Now, obviously, PC sales have suffered over the year. Do you think all this new stuff, Windows 8, the Surface, all this is going to boost or help PC sales much in this holiday season? Uh, it might help a little bit. I mean, obviously, PC sales are overall, you know, the economy is a large has a large part to do with um, whether or not you know, notebook sales are going to rise or not, um, but it should help somewhat. I'm, you know, I think people are going to be curious about Windows 8 and maybe try and switch because of that. Now, it was interesting. There was a survey published by one of the newspapers. I don't know who originated it, but it appeared in USA Today, showing a surprising number of Windows users barely know about Windows 8, and there wasn't a whole lot of interest in upgrading. Hmm. Did you see this? Uh, no, I have not seen this article. Okay. I'll have to look for it, though. <laughs> well, I can bring it up as we go on here, but it would be a survey of Windows 8 interest. Let's see if we can find it very quickly before the end of the show and see. Poll, scant demand for Windows 8. This is from USA Today. It's from the AP. Okay? 
Phone mm-hmm. survey of nearly 1,200 adults in the U.S. found 52% hadn't heard of Windows 8 leading up to Friday's release of the redesigned software. Among the people who knew something about the new operating system, 61% had little or no interest in buying a new laptop or desktop computer running on Windows 8, according to the poll. And only about a third of the people who've heard about the new system believe it will be an improvement. Well, that doesn't augur well, then. I think you can be sure that there's going to be a huge marketing push by Microsoft in, in weeks to come, as well as, you know, the other retail, big box retailers, you know, who, who have to sell these things. The real key will be to see how well, you know, Windows 8 versus Windows RT, which is sort of the modern UI version of Windows 8, how well both of those will sell. We'll have to talk well about this in early 2013 and see how it all went. Mike Prospero, Indeed. tell our listeners where they can find more of your stuff. You can find all of our stuff at LaptopMag.com, uh, Laptop Magazine. And they've got tons of stuff there. I mean, every day you look up, there's an update, a new review of a product, a new commentary, really good stuff. You can find us, by the way, at TechNightOwl.com. Once again, that is TechNightOwl.com. We're also TechNightOwl on Twitter. Okay? So if you want to send us a tweet, we are known as TechNightOwl at Twitter. We have another radio show about UFOs, things that go bump in the night called the Paracast. And this week we're going to talk about incredible inventions back in World War II by Nazi scientists that may have generated sightings of UFOs in the early 1950s. In other words, instead of coming from up there, they came from right here, test aircraft, at Paracast.com. That's Paracast.com. Thank you, Mike Prospero, for joining us this week on the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you, Gene. It's nice talking to you again. The Tech Night Out Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bad time, same bad channel.